Hello, folks, and welcome to the first episode of The Random People Show. This show is a production of HPI Media, and we do have another podcast called the HPI Interview Series. However, that show is specifically for the purpose of interviewing people who are using their work to make positive and meaningful contributions in some capacity where they are. This particular show began out of sheer curiosity. I travel a lot, and I meet a lot of really interesting people. And when I travel and I meet people, I love to ask questions and learn about their lives, what they do, who they are, all the interesting stuff, but not necessarily the stuff that fits into the theme of the HPI interview series. So this show gives me an opportunity to explore more, and that's the random part about it. There's no theme, no order, just random people I meet along the way and learn about their stories and then share them. Now, something else that's different about this show than the HPI interview series is that I'll generally have a co-host, unless, of course, I'm out traveling and that's not really an option. But this may be a previous guest or another random person pulled in for the project, whatever. It's just nice to have a co-host for the show. For this episode, I asked Makutsi Rakundo to join me as my co-host. Makutsi is a writer and a producer in L.A., and you can find out more about him at makutsi.com. That's spelled M-O-K-O-T-S-I dot com. So all that to say, here we are at the first episode of The Random People Show, recorded in Los Angeles, California in December of 2019, and my first guest is Max Diaz. Max is a musician from LA, a bass player to be exact, and we did meet very randomly at a show in Kansas City, Missouri, where he was playing the bass for an artist called Scary Pool Party. And we talk about that in the episode, so I'll let you hear that story there. We talk about Max's career, his family, his life, his big dreams. I'm pretty sure after this interview, you're going to want to find him and hear his music and learn more about him. And you can do that on Instagram. He's MXDZ. Facebook, he's Max Diaz, and that's spelled M-A-X-X-D-I-A-Z. And you can also find his band Wires on Bandcamp. Just search for their album Infinite Hotel. And I need to make a note that all of the music in this episode is from that album. I hope you enjoy this interview with Max, and I hope you laugh as much as we did. Okay, Makutsi, we're recording. I just want to record because we're sitting here before Max comes, getting ready for this podcast, setting audio, listening to Max's music with his band Wires, which you're hearing for the first time. And what are your thoughts? Well, for one, I'm really intrigued by the title Infinite Hotel, which is a nice little paradox (laughs) because... Hotels are uh, always have a top floor. <laughs> Explain, please. <laughs> well, meaning infinite is like endless. So it's like a hotel that just keeps on going. Like you try, to, it's either a good thing or a horrible thing. It's like you're either really like, wow, this hotel goes on forever. You're like, get me out of this hotel. <laughs> I think you should probably ask him about that. Where did the name come from? Give me, give me your sort of like thoughts about this interview prior to him showing up. Well. Uh, I'm really excited to, as an artist, I'm always curious about what, uh, if their mind is as, uh, you know, crazy or like smooth or how does their mind operate? You know, what, what is their rhythm? 
in life. And uh, you're about to find out. We're about to find out. Yes, <laughs> I'm excited. I th- it's actually kind of funny because I don't even know Max. I just happen to know him pretty randomly. So what I've told you is just what I know from the grand infinite world of the internet. I mean, I've talked to him a little bit, you know, and we've corresponded a bit on social media on Instagram, but he didn't I've, think you were a weirdo, you know, know uh, probably, <laughs> but at this point he's still willing to participate. <laughs> so I'm pretty happy about that. I mean, he must think it's a little weird. I mean, I interviewed Andy, his co-host for the Jellyhead podcast. So I didn't, I have no introduction to Max at all, but I was in Kansas City backstage at their scary pool party show. And I'm standing next to Max, who I haven't met yet. And we're listening to the music. Oh, because Alejandro was playing an acoustic um, encore after they had already come off stage. So Max is standing next to me. We're listening to music. So obviously I haven't introduced myself or we haven't met. But then he goes to lean on this big sort of like, I don't know what it was. It was some kind of big equipment box that was standing and almost knocked the entire thing over. (laughs) I just looked at him and I was like, nice save. And then that's when we introduced ourselves. And I'm like, I actually know about you from your friend Andy. And then we just then went back to listening to music and I have only corresponded over social media because I sent him a message to say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't have a chance to tell you how, how that connection was. And I told him, and then I said, if you're ever interested in having a random interview for a random project that may or may not ever be used for anything, let me know. And he was like, yeah, I'm down. So I'm like, okay, here we are in Los Angeles, outside in Culver City, waiting on Max to arrive. Now, do you think if he wouldn't have knocked that over this interview would be happening no that's crazy it's pretty random hence the reason he's on the (laughs) random people show (laughs) yeah so we'll see what happens i don't even know if this show's ever going to go anywhere but i'm going to record them anyways if it does it'll be random wouldn't it okay on that note we're going to eat cookies and chips and wait for max so this this year was 12 years no before it was cool Mm mm-hmm Wow. <laughs> what inspired you to be a vegan, Max? It was um, Cedric and Omar of the Mars Volta. Why? You just really like Mars Volta? I really love Mars Volta. And in my 18-year-old mind, I thought, if I do everything that they do, then I will write music like that. <laughs> That's really we what was happening in, in your brain? That was my, my logic. That's amazing. It's kind of dope. Can't say I was 100% wrong, <laughs> you know? I mean, we hear. Have you seen that Netflix documentary? Uh, what's it called? I just watched it last night. What the Health? No, was but that it's one? the one oh. where, like, all these professional athletes go on a oh. plant-based diet, and they're, like, yeah. they s- their charts just go out of this roof. And That's they're been like, happening for a while. It's Yeah. yeah. And I just found out yesterday that I'm like, oh, but where's the protein that we're getting from, like, animals? And it's... From the grass that they eat. Yeah. Like the pro- yeah. <laughs> like they're the middle of the brokers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I tell people that all the time because, all right, so when we were, I forget where we were. We were in, is it Jacksonville, Florida? That's like a military town. Do you guys know? I don't know. We were, we, were in some, we were in some military town. But anyway, we were like, there was like one shopping mall. So your options for food were like really limited. But I found this um this chinese restaurant that was like pretty accommodating so i'm in line and you know they're just saying like oh you don't want meat you don't want meat and i was like no no no, i'm good and this older guy behind me is all like you're not eating any meat why not and i was like oh, i haven't eaten meat in 12 years i just told him what's up and he says well, where do you get your protein from and it's such like a dated question at this point now like if you like follow any like vegan stuff 
because of that, because right. of information like that. Right. And I just asked him, I said, I want, I want you to think about all the biggest animals. Tell me what they eat. And he was just like, you know, kind of nodded like, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> and in one of those documentaries, they talk about how exactly what you said about the animals being the broker, how all the protein we get from animal products is secondhand. Right. Because they eat plants, which are the only thing capable of creating protein. They eat that in large quantity and we eat the meat and then we get that. But there's so many other things wrong that happen. You know, heart disease is the number one killer globally. Right. It's not war. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you think about things like um, deforestation, mm. it's for it's for cattle and poultry farming. Wow. That's like the biggest, like all the stuff that was happening in Brazil recently, where they were like burning down forests and clear cut. It was it was meat farming. Wow. And you know, I try to not be like a preachy vegan, but to me, that's not even like, do you care about the animals? It's like, yo, do you like want to live? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, how I started was was just because like I wanted to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty yeah, honest I answer. Cool and I wanted to make <laughs> wanted to make dope music, and then uh, and you do feel like it's worked out for you. Uh, I mean, yeah, I like I like the stuff I make. <laughs> yeah, and um, I used to work I used to work nights at a gym. Mm-hmm. Even power lifters eat too much protein. Wow. There's plenty of research that we don't need you as don't, much pre- yeah, protein like you as you sit we get. so many hours out of the day. You don't come on now. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that was the other funny thing, too, was that guy in that line behind me was he was just like, he, he's like, don't you want to go? He's like, don't you want to be big and strong? And I'm like looking down. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like, I was like, dude, I'm I'm 6'3". Right. And I weigh 250 something. Yeah. I got that part. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm good. Right. Yeah, I'm good on that. Wow. It's just a whole, it's education. Like any yeah. of that kind of stuff, it's just a lack of education or a matter of education, really. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, I'm still learning too. That's why I, I, I'm more quick to, or try to be more quick to listen versus, you know, speak. And do you feel like you have to defend a lot or do you, are you just used to that? Y- you know what? Um, I, I personally don't feel like I have to defend it because I, see like the clear logic in it mm-hmm. and i don't think uh, like to me to me like defending it uh it's kind of like dignifying what they're saying in a right, way right yeah what i find interesting is that we even have to have conversations about this like why do i need to hear about why you eat the way you eat yeah like, okay so you're I'm not gonna eat it oh i, get, what, yeah. I mean yeah <laughs> what why do we have to have, it's the same it's the it's the conversation about anything in terms of our personal identity sexuality the way we eat whatever it's like read my mind read my mind why do we need to have a conversation about that i don't walk around saying oh my friend um jackie who's a heterosexual Mm. (laughs) right i don't don't know why we have to do those things yeah because then how 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 big does that list become this is my heterosexual mexican food eating uh post-rock loving (laughs) yeah virgo virgo (laughs) yeah and you should know those things before you meet so that you can have a preconceived judgment about that person before you meet yeah (laughs) okay this is a great segue Okay. Into your actual interview. Oh, right. Nice. So, Max. Yes. The first thing I'd like to start with is, okay. what do you want people to know about you? I would like to think that I'm a pretty, like, positive person. I try to lean more in favor of looking at the bright side of things a lot of the time. I think people default to negative a lot, and they don't even really realize they're doing it. And that's a, that's, that's a big, like, like, pet peeve or, like, downer for me. Like, and they don't want to get out of it. And there's so much stuff in life to be happy about and grateful for and 
I know personally that like the mentality that gets you into a state of mind is not the mentality that will get you out of that state of mind. Mm -hmm. So if you're bummed out, you're going to seek out stuff that keeps bumming you out. I think that that term misery loves company is pretty profound Mm -hmm. because it's kind of twofold because when you are miserable, you seek more miserableness. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of things, your body's telling you, you need company. Like you need people around you. Like you need to change your scenery, Mm -hmm. but yeah, to just distill it down. I'm pretty happy. Most of the time I like people. Um, I lean more, uh, and being like extroverted, like I get my energy from people, but then like at the same time, I do have like a time limit and I feel it sometimes where I'm just go like, I don't, I don't feel like cracking jokes anymore. I don't feel like talking, you know, so I'll go ahead and probably play Pokemon or something or <laughs> read a book. <laughs> nice. Um, I am, I don't know, like I joke around a lot and I think sometimes it gets mistaken for like me not taking things seriously, but it's just how I process st- stress. Mm-hmm. it's the same thing I feel like well if I'm already stressed out if this is already a stressful situation why am I going to compound that by being like frantic and grouchy so overall I guess I'm just I just try to be pretty pretty positive that's actually something that I noticed about you from the Jellyhead podcast because you're really engaging and you're really funny but you're also really able to tap into the more sort of serious side of emotional expression thanks which I thought was interesting because culturally you guys come from a very different culture than I do mm-hmm just in general. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, man, these guys, they're like really able to tap into this thing that a lot of guys yeah. are not able to express some of that more emotional side of things while also being the guys who deal with stress with humor. Yeah. And just being able to marry those two, I thought was pretty interesting. I think that Andy and I both have a shared quality of owning up to things when called out like emotionally. That's a great way to put it. Because it's yes. like, because it, it's still kind of macho in a way. You're exactly right. Because That's it's like, you think I won't open up? Like, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, watch this, I'm going to cry. Yeah, watch this. And we did. Yeah. It was like, yeah. yeah. It was, did. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, I was talking about like my accident. The car accident, which stuff. I'm going to ask you about. Yeah. Yeah. So that was weird. And did I, I, I don't know, remember if I talked about all the like weird little synchronicities that yes. happened. Which that's what I thought. I was like, this guy yeah. was really able to internalize this, but not just that you were able to internalize it. You were able to synthesize those experiences and then express it in a pretty mm-hmm. clear, accessible way. Uh, yeah, I try to. I try to do that often, even even in the way I make music. Uh, I compare a lot of things to cooking and eating, mm. mostly eating because, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I just you look out at a crowd of people. You don't know anything about them, but you do know two things. They sleep and they eat mm-hmm. at some point. So, uh, you know, if you make food, it's really just got to serve two very simple purposes. That's it. There's no more reading into it than that. It has to taste good and it has to nourish and satisfy you. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it's the same thing with music. doesn't matter if you've been playing six months or 60 years. Mm. Does it sound good? And does it make people, does it resonate with people? You did it doesn't matter if it's one note. So when was the first time you made a dish and got a reaction that when you were like, oh, I've, I've, I've given something Ooh. that I've given, like people are enjoying this taste and are filled and satiated by like what I, what I created. When was that? Oh man. You know what? I don't, I don't remember what it was specifically. I think it was probably just like Mexican food or something like that. 
You mean like actual cooking, right? No, I'm talking about music. Oh, music. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, my bad. I was like, oh, too cryptic. I'm too cryptic. No, no, no. Music. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Thought, to me, it was music. I was, I was going, sorry. I, just a cryptic, man. Yeah. I think it was Mexican food. I think it was like, uh, I don't know, man. Cereal. I don't know. <laughs> no. Um, What was that? What was that? Oh, I, I remember. I remember. So it was about mm, maybe 10 years ago now. I used to play in this band called Babel and we came up well like I came up with that name because I thought it would be cool to have like take like a different kind of approach on like world music where like songs were like in different languages and stuff Mm. so you know in kind of uh, kind of like casting a wide net stylistically you wouldn't be able to pin us down to any like one style so Mm. I kind of like was thinking like that but we played a show at this venue called the airliner it's in Lincoln Heights. They used to they used to do this thing they call Low End Theory. You guys ever heard of that? Mm-mm. It was dope. It was like where like uh, like Flying Lotus and all those guys kind of no you know, cut their teeth and even like Tyler the Creator no stuff way. like that. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, it was big. It was cool for a while. But anyway, so we did that. Not Low End Theory, but we played the Airliner, and it was like four people there, but we were just like playing our hearts out. Like you know, we were like nineteen and twenty years old, yeah. just like going for it. Just it there, it, we could have been here, right? And uh, I remember I did this I did this thing I used to do this thing with my bass where I don't throw it like around my body, but I would throw it kind of like out in a circle and it would wind up behind my back, and then I would like twist my body and it would like come back. Oh, nice! But on the backswing, on the backswing, it it hit like my funny bone like on my on my left uh, arm. So like my whole left hand was like numb sorry. the whole rest of the show, but I was still in there. I was I was getting it, and. <laughs> I remember when we were done, uh, a friend of ours was there, like one of the four people that were there watching, and she was, <laughs> and she was crying. Oh wow! Oh, wow! Crying, and I was like, "Yeah, we're like, are you okay?" And she just said, "You guys," she's like, "You guys are just so good. You guys are just so wow. good. You're just, you're, you know, you're doing it." To have that experience at 18 or 19 years old. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice to to give someone that that felt yeah. good that felt good because i think that that's kind of what I, I i would often ask myself you know if i only got to play in my bedroom and that's it would i still do it you know just to kind of refine why i do this and i, I get a lot of enjoyment in giving something to people mm. because that's how i feel about music like it gave me a lot like it makes me feel really good mm-hmm. and if i'm if I am capable of doing it to any degree, then it would be selfish of me to not try to give that feeling back. Kind of just like passing the torch, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially now, I mean, there's so many things to feel passionate about, to be angry about, to use music as a voice for that. So that was the first time. That was the first time. And then on the flip side, when were you dished your first serving of, talk about music again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Oh. <laughs> Uh, that was again. This was okay. So this was two, March in 2007. The Majestic Theater in Ventura got there the day before the concert. It's the first in line. Camped out, and it was Mars Volta. And I I wasn't even too familiar with like a lot of their music. And they would play like three hours. Yeah. They didn't even have. They wouldn't even have like opener. It was just them for like two and a half, three hours, right? And um, I just remember getting up really close and I was literally 
standing there just dumbfounded dumbfounded because i hadn't even been to like that many concerts i had only been to like a like a handful of concerts now i'm like watching like my favorite band how old were you i was 18 so this was did i say no i'm sorry you know it was 2006 i was 17 Mm -hmm. yeah so anywho yeah i'm just watching these guys and i'm just like damn you know and they're they're improvising over stuff they're playing jams that they only do live i get to see kind of like all their personalities and everything and um after the show i bought a poster and there was like there was like basically two exits out of that theater there's like a stage and entrance and then there's like the doors right so they got to come out of one of those two doors and i remember i met all the band members i think except for two but i met cedric and omar and they were and i will say this to the day i die for the record they were the nicest people wow they were like surprised i liked the show and it was very and it was genuine yeah like when you're when you're on the creative side of things like that you do feel that way yeah it's always a risk yeah. it's always like you know you, you put your best efforts mm-hmm. into it and you put your rawest emotions into it but it don't mean people gotta like it or that they will like it you know so it's very and then you've got to face that either way yeah and you have to face it either way it's very true but I just remember they were like, and they, yeah, they stood there and they talked. And I remember saying to myself, I have no right to ever be rude or short with anybody. These are my heroes. Mm. And they're talking to me like a friend. They don't yeah. even know me. So that was, that, that was my first like dish. Wow. And then there was this other band. <clears throat> so they're from, they're from Norway. So they say Yaga Jazzist. But if you look at it, it says Jaga Jazzist. But they're like a 12-piece electronic jazz post-rock orchestra Mm. you got yeah like 12 14 people on stage you could hear every single thing that was being played no one was like overshadowing anyone the concert had dynamics and it was like it felt loud but it wasn't loud it was like they had just had everything so dialed in Mm. and it was crazy because like they all kind of look like vikings and stuff (laughs) You know, so it was just very like mystical. And then you get to see them make this like beautiful music that's all instrumental that captured so many like emotions so just perfectly, like exquisitely. Mm-hmm. So that was another one where I was just like, like on the, on like the production side of things, like putting a stage show and musicianship where I was just like, damn, like I felt like I was like back at square one, wow. level one, just like, holy crap. So yeah. Wow. Okay. So we let's talk about your music okay tell us how did you get started give us your journey your musical journey i started playing bass uh when i was 15 and it kind of came out of necessity which i think for a lot of bass players probably up until a few years ago was the thing it was like you know whoever's like was the worst at guitar would wind up playing (laughs) bass which that was my case but what got you started like what got you inspired at 15 to start music period um you know you're just kind of like spinning the roulette as a teenager trying to figure out like what you like you know so you try skateboarding you try sports you try painting and um did you try all those things oh yeah yeah like i i i love art mm-hmm. i love drawing my my cousin peter the one that showed me that documentary he was he was very very good at drawing he could do like all t- different types of methods make really cool stuff and you know, I don't think anyone's incapable of anything 
it's just that like do you have the desire and the patience to put in the time you know it's kind of like it's kind of a funny thing when people say oh i wish i could draw i wish i could do that and it's just but you don't practice it you could do it if you practiced it but you don't want to practice it so you just enjoy it you know so like i enjoy painting and and all those different things but i never had the patience to sit down and study how am i going to get good at them same thing with like skateboarding too like i love skateboarding I think skateboarding is dope. Like if I could snap my fingers and have a skill, that would definitely be Me one too. of them. Yeah, right. And in my dreams, I can always skateboard really, really well. Even on the skateboard, I feel like I can skate yeah. well. And I'm like, I'm yeah. not skating well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, too? I also would credit skateboarding with how I discovered music. Because, uh, you know, we're all like, I'm from I'm from Inglewood. So you got all these black kids just in the hood. We got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And all of a sudden we were just like, what is this? And it was this music. It was like, you know, like bad religion. Yes. And it was probably like the first time I heard sublime. Oh, really? Can you imagine that? You know, but I was just like, oh, I like this music. Mm. Like I immediately like, boom, this is this is me. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, I'm thrilled. I'm enthralled. Like I want to I want to sink my teeth into this. But it wound up being more so on the music side of things. Yeah. So I like that high energy stuff. I like so like bad brains and, you know, you name it, Fugazi, uh, even Rear some of the, the black flag yeah i love black flag you gotta love black flag and everyone has their favorite singer you know like i i think i think i like henry rollins i know he's kind of, he's got he's kind of i know he's kind of no I, I, like, think I like i like henry yeah, absolutely like henry. but why because i just think his voice and his demeanor fit the band really well yeah if we're just going by just like that i mean like yeah back then like he was doing you know he was probably like real uh the punk scene is still very sexist and you know it's like and they don't even realize they're doing it right so like if 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 a white or a lighter skinned dude gets up and starts screaming it's like yeah and even now like black dude gets up there yeah but if it's like a black chick That's or so people are like wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness she's really angry and it's, and it's like <laughs> isn't are you supposed to be angry isn't it like like I, th I had the same opinion about like screaming like screaming was this thing where like you scream and it's supposed to sound abrasive and like ugly and then it got to this point where it's like, yeah, he doesn't do the screams right. And it's like, what? But yeah, so how I got into music. Yeah. That was that was pretty much how. So it via was like, skateboarding. Yeah, via skateboarding. Like so yeah, skateboarding was the kind of like the vehicle for that. And then I was like, you know, like I had one or two like stoner friends and they were getting into like classic rock and everything. But yeah, I got um um I was almost gonna play drums. Then my sister wound up picking up drums instead we both we had we had a guitar when we were like 12 but i didn't really understand the mechanics behind it so i kind of just left it alone and then two of my other friends in the neighborhood were already really good at guitar by the time i was 15 so they were like why don't you get a bass and it was similar with bass as soon as i picked it up and i hit one note i recognized it and i was like oh i like this and i know what this is and i wanted to get good at it i felt that thing you know i felt like that yeah i could do this i want to get good at this. so and then that same year i was like in bands uh, playing punk stuff yeah just i wanted to play everything like i always had i always had like ideas that uh you know i would just hear things like in my head and i thought it sounded cool and i would work it out on the bass and then i would try to kind of ship it around to my friends to see if they wanted to work on it and sometimes it would stick sometimes not but i never felt like they were like bad ideas Cause I always like, it was always like completed in my mind and I knew how I wanted it to feel. And I think throughout the years I've just gotten a clearer and clearer view of that picture, you know, cause it used to be like, you imagine yourself in the audience 
looking at the stage. Then you imagine yourself on stage. Then you imagine yourself playing the song on the stage. Then you know what venue and what song. And then you know, like, all, you know, so it's the same thing, but it just gets more and more detailed and clear. Your first, we were listening to Infinite Hotel, which I know she has some questions for, but the first track mm -hmm. on it, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the first or the second. I'm forgetting the name. It kind of does that like jazz intro thing of where you're like you're th like almost that like taking you to another world. Like you're going quick, quick, and then yeah, you're like that was a little teaser right into it. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is I get now. I get that when you say jazz, like it makes perfect sense. I like Thanks. in that first track, you definitely get that feel. It's, yeah, yeah, I like stuff like that. So like I, I try to think about songs in that way. Like I always. When you strip it down, like the structure is there, like you so said, it's verse, chorus, da da da. But you just decide how much you want to dress it up. You know, like is there does it feel cool to put an intro or some sound, some kind of thing? And I really don't harp on those things too too much because I feel like you kind of lose the magic of it. Mm. Like, do you, as as the person making the music, you get fewer moments where you have that wow thing that the audience gets. So. I try to retain those. So if there was like something we did on accident and we all were like, Oh, that's dope. It goes in. Right. Unless it just really, really some point just doesn't work out. And then like the rest of the song is better and we kind of need to scrap it. But like nine times out of 10, if we all go, Oh, that was sick. It goes in because then I feel like, Oh, that's hopefully what the audience will feel, you know? But, and then I also, I also like music too. Sometimes where it just feels like you kind of just change the channel. <clears throat> Like all of a sudden, like yeah. it'll be doing one thing and then just psh, boom, and then just go to like another thing. Um, and then that song was also really inspired by like Bjork and this other band called Crumb. Like the cocktail of that song was Crumb, Bjork, and the internet. Oh wow! Like Sid the Kid. I love that. Steve I Lacey. get that. I get all that too. That's yeah. dope. Because I like all that stuff. Yeah. But you never know. Going back to like cooking, you know, it's like you add a couple ingredients, you take a little taste. And that's the only way you know what to add. But you add because of like your tastes. We were talking, I was like, this is either gonna be a huge compliment or offend you. I was like, man, there's a little bit of like Radiohead sound in the line. Dude, Radiohead's always a compliment. <laughs> I, was say, I told him it should be. Me? I was like, <laughs> and if I don't <laughs> have to say that, if I don't even have to hint at that. Yeah. Well, like, he said that and I was I'm like, like so I don't like Tom York. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm kind of curious like how musicians take that kind of stuff. like. My stuff should sound totally unique. Go ahead. No, no, I just I was like, I think he'll be happy with it because they're like the greatest band ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, dude, like uh, I, I tell musician friends of mine this all the time that like you can't if someone's trying to compliment you. You got to give them some grace that they don't know all like the terminology and the thought right, process behind right. it. Like they just said they like your stuff, dude. Just say thanks. Really Relax. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they said, I sound like Radiohead. <laughs> Lucky ass, like relax, <laughs> dog. Like you know, uh, I like this thing Fred Armisen said, where he was like, you know, before we had written language, we communicated ideas and lessons and da 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 through music. Mm -hmm. So we passed on the things that were important through music, and that hasn't changed. He goes, you know, you you don't always have to make something brand new that jumps off the page. Hopefully, you're passing on the things you find important and profound you know that's why we put art in museums that's why certain songs sound like other songs because we like them well it's the it's same thing with deal. language in general like we all speak english right but some of us are able to speak english in a much more profound way than others yeah i mean yeah. it's still like music is a language yeah where where does that uh i always i'm curious 
where artists or what point in their career or before their career have the audacity and I call it that because that's what I call for myself the audacity to think hey, you know I can actually do this because you know there's there's with what you're saying when you're younger sports all those other act arenas there's yeah. a, a third party that will tell you you're good yeah. Or that you like once you go to that level, then you go on to NCAA, then you go on to right, right, right. right. But with music and you're starting your own band, there's a certain part where you can either tape off and say, "Well, now I'm going to get that like, I'm just going to focus on my 401k for yada right. yada yeah, yada yeah. and build that up," mm-hmm. or I'm going to do the, the the crazy stupid thing of believing. Right. You got to do the crazy stupid thing of believing, but you have to also treat it like the 401k. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. your 401k. Right, right. Uh, I l- kind of had that dealt to me this year. It was like before we, before we went on tour. And, uh, uh, you know, growing up, so I'm like my father, he's an electrician. And I always felt up until pretty recently, like in the back of my mind, like that would probably be a good thing to have in my pocket. So, you know, like coming out of high school and everything like that, it was like, oh, I'm just going to take over my dad's company. And my thought was, I will learn how to do that well, and it'll get to a point where I have a partner or it's running itself for the most part, and I can just like dip and we'll go on tours and like dip and do that. And that would have been cool, I guess. You know, that would have been safe. There's people that do that. But that thinking really just diluted that like dream part. It All that energy I spent you know, trying to get better at those practical things could have been spent figuring out how to live my life completely making music. Mm. And, you know, at a younger age, you're, you're given more space to do that because, you know, you can crash, you don't have a family or many responsibilities yet. So I would, I personally, (laughs) I, I double down. I would tell anybody that's like in their teens and early twenties or whatever, or whenever who, who cares, man, just do it, whatever. Try to not, you know, be a burden to other people but like don't save your money fucking spend it (laughs) spend it on things that that are going to get you where you want to get you know and like don't get a job work really hard on your on your stuff Mm -hmm. take all that energy all that like if you're going to wake up at 6 a.m and go make coffee wake up at 6 a.m and figure out how to make beats wake up at 6 a.m and post on craigslist that you're a guitarist looking for a gig because you know what you might not have the safety of like one paycheck every two weeks, but you're in the buffet and you get to pick all the things you want to eat. And at the end of the day, you have a full plate. I mean, you still you have know? to do that in the context that's realistic for you because yeah. if you've got rent to pay, yeah. you got to figure like, how are yeah. you going to pay your rent? And b- uh, please yeah. believe all that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not discrediting any of that. <laughs> like, I'm not saying just like, yeah, if, you know, <laughs> go live on the street. Go live on the street. <laughs> you know, it's great. But, but I, I think that you will probably surprise yourself more often than not if you really put in that much effort, even for maybe like a year. Yeah. What I hear you saying is belief is an action for you. Yeah. Right. Like there's people that can dream of doing a whole bunch of stuff, but in the real time of the day, you're saying that there's things that like seem small that could actually satiate that, gift or like present opportunities in the future yeah yeah you know uh you 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 got to get out there 
that's why I said kind of like still treat it like like a career, like a job, you know. Mm-hmm. So like if somebody offers, hey, you know, I can pay you two hundred bucks, play this gig. It's a cover gig. You might not want to play a cover gig, but to me, I feel like if I'm have if I have my hands on my instrument, and I'm getting direct income from that, or I'm making music, that's better than doing what other people do and they go like well look i work at guitar center right so it's safe and it's still music and it's kind of like yeah and like i'm saying like do that like you can do that too but this is not like the end all be all i don't you know i don't know everything but i think that it's important to have that intensity Mm. and work ethic and realism and do exactly what you want to do and that might mean having a part-time job for a while. But your compass and your focus should always be how are you gradually shifting to doing that one thing all the time. Find what you love, find out how to make money, and then bring those two things together. That's like your mission. And be open for that vision to evolve and look in ways you can't imagine today. Yeah, and which, it will. Which means you'll take those opportunities that you're like, well, that's not really what I want to be doing. But you don't have any idea how that's going to look. Yeah. later so be open for things to evolve in these right. ways yeah. right exactly, exactly. for sure hmm. yeah so i don't know because are you in that place now where you're like so take us back to that you just went on this tour explain how you got yeah. there but are you in that place where you're like i mean this is full time this is what i'm doing yeah yeah like mentally that's that's where i am and and it's starting to pre- present more like cool opportunities you know where you where i get to do what i want to do directly and that's what i'm getting that's my that's my living. Tell you know, us how yeah how how have what's sort of transpired over the last couple of years that have brought you to that place, or whatever time frame it needs to look like. I don't I don't know your time frame. I have I have a unique, uh, I don't know path in that or whatever because like we'll probably talk about this later or whatever. But like yeah like last year almost died. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and just tell us that story? All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> which good, I only know because I heard it on yeah. the Jellyhead Collective podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and uh, McCutsey's not heard it. No, I'm not. You have not heard it. It was April 12th of 2018. It was a Thursday. Uh, my friend Roger, uh, he got this hookup where we were going to go and work at Coachella selling t shirts. So I was going to go because it's like, you know, you don't have to, you work like, it's like two hours or something like that. And then you can just go and enjoy the festival the whole rest of the time. So I was like, dope, I'll go do it. So I am driving from my place in Long Beach to, I think it was my folks house in Inglewood. And I was on the four or five North and it's like right past the 110. There's this little, very slight curve. But for some reason, people go from like 60, 70 miles an hour to like 15 that was the case this particular day and i used to have this clip where i would keep like my wallet and like my keys just like outside like on my hip and um i'm driving along and i reached i reached down and i didn't feel my wallet and so just like instinctively i just kind of like glanced down for like half of a half a second as soon as i look back up this car in front of me is like stop stopped so I might not have even been that person's fault, but I slam on my brakes and I slide for about like 15, 20 feet. And people ask me, oh, like, oh you're on your phone, you know, we're this, we're that, we're that. And it's just like, I wasn't. 
I literally wasn't. It, like what what happened to me? Sadly, like it could happen, right? But what I didn't know, because the accident wasn't that bad. My bumper didn't fall off. Um, the person in front of me, their bumper didn't fall off. Their car didn't even turn off. It was like really, really like minor, really minor. But I had a faulty airbag. So Honda, at some point, knowingly put in these airbags. I forget the name of the brand, but basically what happens is they collect moisture. So that time of the year it had been raining. So the moisture gets in the airbag. And then when it warms up, it turns back into vapor and it makes the airbag more sensitive. So I probably could have like smacked the front of my car and made the airbag come out. I didn't know that. Also, part two was there was, so I hit the car, um, I black out. It was very cinematic. Like I woke up and it was like ringing. It was like all foggy in the car and I'm like groggy. And I hear ringing <laughs> and um, I go to try to move right and like i looked down at my left arm and it just was like busted open like a big potato right oh. and like i could see my tendons oh gosh. Gnarly, right so i'm not going anywhere there's a car in front of me pull off to the side and um i remember so so i had my phone on the passenger seat so i go reach down to pick it up calling 911 and I told her like oh yeah and I'm like screaming at first and she's like you gotta calm down you gotta calm down sure enough calm down and I just blurted out exactly where I was and then I tell her like I'm blacking out I'm blacking out and she goes no you're not she goes you gotta stay on the phone with me you gotta stay on the phone with me so like I took a deep breath and like sat up and then I remember thinking about it later like time is kind of fuzzy but I do remember feeling like like I'm actually dying right now and I was like pissed and, uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they probably really do feel like they have depression. And I, I would hope that something like what happened to me doesn't happen to them. But I used to think I was suicidal, right? But then I almost died and I didn't want it to happen. Hmm. So that's kind of contrary to that way of thinking. Hmm. So I had to let that go. I was like, oh, I actually do want to be here. Wow. Mm. I actually, so... I remember even being in, the, being in the hospital and thinking like, you know what? This sucks that this had to happen, but this was a gift. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt. But all the weird stuff was like, so, so I'm busted open, um, call the paramedic. They said they're on the way. I take a picture of my arm, which I still have, if you're not squeamish. And <laughs> so then uh, on the phone, the, the 911 operator, she said, um, are you able to put anything like a jacket or a towel or anything like that on your arm? Because I was like, I hit an artery. So I was like bleeding dark. And that kind of blacking out versus like, like every, have you guys ever like, you know, I don't know, like passed out, like you got faint, blacked oh, yeah. out or something like that. Mm -hmm. So this was like, not that. I felt like I was disappearing and then mm -hmm. like coming back. It was like I didn't exist and then I was back and blah, 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 blah. Wow. It was a weird feeling. It was a weird feeling. It felt, I, I, I think it was death. It was death, right? Mm -hmm. So like you're just like-, like You it was feel a, like you're bleeding out. It was a lot of blood. It was a lot of blood, yo. Wow. Yeah, so the um, I tried to like lift my shirt. I couldn't do it. And then I look over and the paramedics right there. And there's like, there's like a fire truck sideways on the freeway. And they open up the door and then they're like, can you stand up? And I was like, no, I don't think I can. They're like, okay, well, we'll help you. So they grab me, they lay me down 
as soon as they laid me down, I felt like euphoric. I was just was like, I wasn't in pain or anything. I thought I was just like, uh, and I was like asking them all their names and like thanking them. <laughs> and they're like, mm, whatever. Like, <laughs> shut up, dude. Yeah. And then they're like, um, what, 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 why is he bleeding so much? And then I remember one of the guys looking around the car and he picked up what I think is the emblem from the steering wheel. And it just looked like a, like a ninja star. He drops it on the ground. I hear it clink around. And I was just like, oh my God. And um, I was about three miles away from, from a hospital. And it was um, Harbor UCLA, right? So this was pretty cool how that worked out. So I didn't have insurance at the time. I didn't even want them to put me in the ambulance because I was just like, dude, this could wreck me for like the next how many years or whatever but um kind of jumping forward a little bit a friend of mine's a lawyer and he asked what hospital i went to and because it was ucla people donate a lot of money to those hospitals because there's students there learning and that money is there for people in in my case who just need you know front no some way. money yeah really yeah so it worked wow. out that part worked out but what was pretty crazy is um you know, I had to go, I had to go into surgery cause they had to reattach the arteries. And, um, when I got to the hospital, the paramedic was like, Hey, just want to let you know, there's going to be like 30 people in the room. Cause there's like students here. Yeah. So I was, I'm probably on somebody's Snapchat. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like their memories every year. Like, <laughs> Check out this dude's gnarly yeah. arm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so my middle name is Devin, but on my bracelet, I thought you, you remember this? Yeah. All right. So, so my middle name is Devin. On my bracelet, they wrote divine. Wow. And then my first nurse's name was Mercy. What a great name for a nurse. Wow. Right? But it was Divine Mercy. Wow. And I think this is this is cool whether you are religious or prescribed any religion at all. But the person I hit, his name was Jesus. No. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that part. Yeah, wow. I don't remember it's later. There's even something I didn't I say then that I, did, that I didn't part. remember. So yeah. So that dude's name was Jesus. And uh yeah, even though I hit them, you know, and I didn't have insurance or whatever, they just like let it go. Wow. But wow. thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh wow. So it was that. Um, when I was going down for surgery, uh, it was pretty, it was kind of funny actually because they just said, you know, they put like the oxygen on you and then they say, you know, just count backwards from 10. As soon as that thing was on my face, I immediately knocked out. Oh, wow. Sleep. Right. So I wake up hours later and um, I was I've never been that cold in my life because they keep it cold there and yeah. I lost blood and everything like that. So they were putting all these blankets on me, these heated blankets. And I was like, man, can you give me another one? So they just kept putting them on me. Eventually, they put a blanket over my face. Oh, yes, I do yeah. Wow. My family did not know what happened to me. No. <laughs> <laughs> All they knew was I was in a car accident. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it's like a punk on the they, hospital. Yeah, they, like they will, <laughs> they will me past my family oh, with a blanket over my face. This is so bad. And they're like, oh my god. I see like my sisters holding my other sister's shoulders. Like I was peeking <laughs> through the blanket, kind of giggling a little bit. I was like, this will be funny later, I guess. And then um, yeah, I just like raised my busted arm, so they knew I was like, okay, <laughs> all dramatic. Um, yeah. So then. Like I was there Thursday, like I said, April 12th, meaning the following day was what? Friday the 13th. Oh, wow. So I was in the hospital on Friday the 13th. So it's Divine Mercy, Jesus, 
Friday the 13th. I'm a big X-Files fan. My youngest sister brought her iPad and started up an episode of X-Files for me. In that episode, Mulder almost gets his left arm cut off. That's the same no. arm I injured. <laughs> no. And here's the here's the kicker. Here's the here's the craziest one that I didn't realize till later. So I'm thinking about all these synchronicities. The f- the first band that ever really really resonated with me where I saw this music video, heard this song and I was just like, "Wow, this is really cool." I'm not bullshitting. Thursday. The song is Understanding in a Car Crash. No, I just got the chills. Gets better. There's a lyric in the song where they say it's two hands still point to the same time. 1203. I look at the picture on my phone. It was 1204. No, no, no. The accident no, happened no, at 1203 no, no, no. on a Thursday. That's eerie. I I'm left-handed, but I play bass right-handed. The doctors told me that the muscles in this arm saved the tendons. Why are the muscles strong? Because I play bass. No. Dude. That's what? amazing. But what do you take away from all that? that? I'm supposed to be here and I'm supposed to play music. That deserves a yeah. high five. Yeah. That's a great It story. was like, and you know, and I pray, you know what I mean? And I would pray for things like, like, give me a sign like I'm an idiot. Well, there you go, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty I'm going to bring you within an inch of your life. Yeah. You got to be careful when and, you pray. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Asking you shall receive, right? So, yeah, I just remember like all that kind of hitting me. And then uh, being in the hospital, like, I get it. Mm. I get it. And that's how, that was the uh, the catalyst for Infinite Hotel. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Really? So, yeah, the story of Infinite Hotel is about like a. I wrote this character. He's like sort of like Mulder, sort of like uh, uh, what's that name? Cooper from Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted a Cooper Twin Peaks meets Mulder, and then I also thought it would be interesting because like I'm a huge like Twilight Zone fan. Mm-hmm. But Rod Serling, the narrator, he is never the subject of the story. He's always safe. The characters never interact with him. So I was like, wouldn't it be cool if there was one episode where all of a sudden he was like visible? to the people mm. and then he's now in the twilight zone so this Mulder cooper character is like researching something similar to what like the twilight zone is almost like a bermuda triangle of sorts like it's this field that appears on earth and he's researching these phenomena and what winds up happening is that he not realizing it becomes the subject of the story nice so he was looking for something within himself and in doing that He's like pushing his loved ones away. And uh, when he enters these kind of like bubbles, these like twilight zone bubbles, there's weird things about his life that are being presented to him and he's denying it. So it happens in four parts. So, so it's infinity mirrors and yeah. we're going to do, we're going to do hopefully still do a short film to accompany it. So infinity mirrors is him opening the door to this like twilight zone esque realm and releasing in in doing that and opening that door releasing a second version of himself that's like his better self but in a real actual physical form and then memoria the second song is uh what did i call him his name is matthew matthew black so matthew black and memoria 
it's him meeting his child self, right? So in the, in the hook, I say, I'd love to live like you again. And it's him talking to this physical kid version of him. Wow. And then what happens in that one is, so there was, it's Matthew Black, and then the kid's name is Suba. So a su- a Suba is the round metal part on a certain swords that protects the handle from the blade. Mm-hmm. So Suba's the kid version of him. And then there's a character named Coyote. And Coyote, I wanted it to represent like masculinity and like a father figure. So in Memoria, Matthew is fighting with Coyote over Suba. So it's kind of like him fighting with his dad mm-hmm. and with masculine norms and trying to free his like child self. And what he winds up learning is that he can't kill Coyote. He has to accept him. And then finally Coyote releases Suba to him. And he also gains Coyote. He gains, he gains the masculine, wow. the strong masculine energy, but like in a positive way. Right. You can't kill it. It's a part of you. Right. You have to acknowledge that it's there. There's even a, there's an art piece. I think it's called I love America and America loves me. And this artist, he spent three days in a room with a wild coyote. And his, the, the statement behind it was that if he could make friends with a wild animal, then how come we all can't? Oh, nice. Mm. Who, what artist is this? Uh, I'll have to look it up. But I'm pretty sure the piece is called I Love America and America Loves Me. Loves me. Okay. And it's like, it's a photo series. And he has this thick blanket on himself. And then first, the coyote's, like, ripping at the blanket. And then, like, by, like, the third or fourth day, the coyote's just, like, chilling. Interesting. You know? So, there's that. Wait, hold on. Before you yeah. ask your question, are you guys still okay? I mean, it's getting cold. Are you cool? I'm good. Do we need to go inside? I'm cool. Yeah, okay. I'm fine with whatever. Sure you you want to go inside? No, but I do want to go get my sweatshirt. So I was going to say, yeah. Hold on. Sure. Audience, hold on. Hold on, questions. I was just asking him how spirituality and not in the um, uh, moral sense or any like uh, deemed uh, religion, but a lot of artists are curious about the other, the greater than this, you know, the yeah. synchronicities, this yeah. flow. Yeah. How does that or how has that affected your artistry or how does it, if, if at all? For me, uh, it affects me in the sense that you can look at things and view them as both simple and complex at the same time. You know, like you can, I mean, anything, like a leaf. Like you can look at a leaf, you can look at one of these walnuts, right? Wait, hold up. What's up? Dude. Is it a, it's a walnut, right? No. It's a pecan? Yeah. It's a pecan. <laughs> pecan. Pecan. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I thought it was an altitude. You can continue, which yeah. is yeah. fun to do. You know, and it's like you know you can you can sort of just take it for granted. You know, you eat it, you like the flavor, it's good, it's good for you, it has vitamins, whatever. But then you can go down to like a molecular level, mm. and 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 just keep going with stuff like that. Like you can go, yeah, what makes the molecules in that different from the air around it, and in the bowl, mm. and in the table, mm. right? And I think that for me, you can hear one note and sometimes you hear it and it just sounds like a note and other times it's so profound, mm-hmm. you know, like I learned, I learned recently for myself how important 
like lyrics are like lyrical content I, a lot of the music i listen to you know jazz progressive rock or certain types of metal the lyrics are kind of like an afterthought mm -hmm. it's very guitar or piano mm -hmm. or saxophone driven right and if you're writing music where that takes the forefront then that's fine you know but i i like music that musicians enjoy and i like music that just people enjoy and some and that doesn't mean it has to be complex but a lot of people like words. We all relate to things, you know, we, we understand. And you can't hear words and not understand what they mean. So I remember feeling like I had writer's block. And then I kind of just shifted gears and I, I just started writing some lyrics. I was listening to some music and sometimes you ad lib over songs you're listening to. And I said something like, and I thought it was cool, so I wrote it down. And then it was very like, uh, like a like a eureka moment, you know, like a light bulb turned on where I just was like, oh, if I have words, then I know how to decorate that. Then I know what I want it to sound like. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard for me sometimes coming from the other because you don't always come up with something dope. You don't always play something dope. Right. But if you have words, you know what that should sound like or what you want it to sound like. Yeah. Right. So so I think I think I think a spiritual mind or or. Yeah, if you want to call it that. A spiritual mind conscious way conscious yeah, yeah. conscious mind yeah, conscious yeah. is a good way a good more and more neutral yeah, yeah. yet descriptive <laughs> yeah, descriptive right. way of, of getting that point across yeah. yeah you have to be you have to be conscious and you have to be present um and then you are really just uh kind of broadcasting that you're broadcasting stuff that's already there mm. through your abilities and your tastes like tapping in yeah yeah it's like uh i think i remember tupac said one time like he's like I, like i don't even really gangbang like i was i would just hear all these stories and they were like cool to me so like, <laughs> <laughs> he's, like he's like i'm a poet i'm a writer he's just like, exactly. he's just like i just had exactly. friends in yeah. gangs i was like you know i wasn't doing that stuff right, like right. <laughs> yeah did you grow up with spirituality as a yeah constant presence in your life yeah my my family they're all they're all Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in that household. And it's it's one of those things for me where, you know, I had such good experiences that I just know, like, how I feel about, like, God and about spirituality. You do know how you feel? Yeah. I mean, like, you're like, like I'm saying, like, I, I feel like, just speaking for myself... I feel like there is a God and it's like, I feel like that person is like, or that, that being is your friend and it wants to be your friend and you have to kind of bow to that sometimes yeah. not, and not like physically, but like, you know, like you have to humble yourself. You know what I mean? Because, because it just in my personal experiences in life, when things have gone well, I feel like it's cause I was listening to like a higher power. Mm. yeah but no yeah no, i mean I, I mean i feel like the way you explain the way you make music too is also surrendering to that greater good yeah like in the sense of like you are almost not creating that sound you're tapping into you're you're surrendering yourself to what is and yeah that is is goodness yeah and i feel like the way that you even started off in you know when she asked you the question what you want to know about me is that you're 
without even having to say it, there is a light about you. You do like that essence of goodness that you have experienced in whatever ways. I feel like you want to give that out. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Definitely. Right? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you said it much better. <laughs> no, I just, I, I just say what you said. No, <laughs> copyright not you. Do you feel like in your musical pursuits that mm -hmm. that's you want to use your platform for that? Um, or is that just a part of who you are, and it's sort of separate from the incentive for? Do you mean do I want to be the best Christian rock band of all time? <laughs> That's exactly no, what I was wondering. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I wrote that down yeah. as my question. <laughs> no, I, but you know what though? I I think that to an extent, what I do want to do with my music is like uh, challenge people's ways of thinking, and uh, but in in a largely like palatable way and i think that uh a few musicians or maybe artists would kind of scoff at that mm -hmm. but i think it goes in line with like trying to catch more flies with honey than with vinegar i could make a really self-serving uh you know what's the word i'm looking for not not narcissistic but just you know like self-absorbed self-absorbed self yeah. i could make a make songs like that mm -hmm. and a lot of bands do that where they just go, well, we're making it. We're going to make it how we want. And I don't know. I think I'm more like, I'm more like Mr. Rogers with it. Where it's just like, I'm, I would rather invite you in and be like gentle and kind. Because now you're like in a headspace where you're thinking about the kind of things. And I don't even have to say anything now. Mm. You're just now going to do it on your own. You're now going to think about it on your own. So what I mean, like, like musically speaking, it doesn't have to be abrasive. It doesn't have to be jagged. It doesn't have to be with multiple you know time meters and stuff and like whoa like all this cool look at all this technique i know i just want it to make you feel something and i want it to make you go out into the world a little bit more feeling a little bit more equipped to bring some light into it to feel good i want you to feel good i want you to share the feel good <laughs> what the story you're telling about that song i mean like that's just a crazy world for a song i literally was taking down a a movie i mean a sh like uh that's exactly what i was i was like he's writing a movie yeah he's a no so like when you're oh, going okay, cool. yes yeah, so nice. when you write and going in that whole world it's amazing um so it's interesting that you know jesus only spoke to people in parables right 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 and that's the only way he could speak truth to them right, right. And they were complex. They were com like there was something intriguing about you know. Mm. So like, dare I say, like what you're doing is very actually in touch with the truth. Like you, um, too many times I see artists trying to uh, not give the parable form, and I'm like, but you're an artist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why would yeah. you spoon feed them like <laughs> yeah. this? You know exactly. And. I just want to you already do it, and it's cool because there's, like, that world that you even took us down, right? Of this, like, uh, uh, the symbolism and the mm -hmm. meaning behind that. I mean, that is, I to me, the future of people um, awakening to certain truths that you, in your heart, want to, to have. Sweet. So. Yeah. Did you just call Max Jesus? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I just want to clarify <laughs> yeah. for the audience. I do think there's... If I get struck by lightning, it's your fault. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, real quick, do you have a time limit? No. Oh, because I've just got tons of questions. Yeah. <laughs> do uh, you have a time I, limit? I, I just need to know what time it is because at around 2. I'll turn my phone off. It's 12.59. Okay, yeah, I got a little time. You're good? Okay. 
But just so you guys know, a logo is a really important part of your corporate branding. So it's important to get your logo right. And if you need to, this random text that just came in will help you with that. Mm. You can save with Geico. In. That is, they're, getting, <laughs> yeah. they're getting so... Is it, so you're it's getting advertisements so. now. That was actually paid. You know how often I get these now? Were you supposed to put that over the mic, though, so that you can now, all the listeners... Whoever, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, back to your super serious question. Yeah, <laughs> I no, mean, no, no. your super serious uh, response. <laughs> We were talking about spirituality yeah, and how yeah. Max is Jesus like. I'm back. <laughs> I feel like people should have like made Jesus with a stash like that though, like his pictures of yeah. Because they always made him with the beard and they he has a mustache, but I yeah. feel like they never give him the mustache that I would like him to have. This this is this might sound dumb me saying it. It'd probably be better if somebody else said it. But like I finally thought I was not going to get compared to the weekend anymore because I used to have like the thing <laughs> like when he did the pomp. Yeah, kind of yeah. Thing. Like, like, like the weekend. Yeah. The weekend. It's what fine. is your because he's from the where you where are you what's your background like national like uh my mom's jamaican and then my dad's mexican and white and now i'm gonna sound like all the people that i've always hated there's something so authentic like you. you're just uh <laughs> you're exotic uh, oh jeez yeah uh so yeah so my mom's jamaican my dad's mexican white so i'm puerto rican <laughs> that's how that works out Sorterican. <laughs> yeah. Sort- oh, Sorterican. I like that. I like that. I like that. That's funny. Okay. So did, were you headed somewhere with that? I was curious. No, go. Yeah, no, that, no, that's it. Oh, okay. I wanted mm-hmm. to. You know what, though? That is a good good uh, segue because I think coming from two strong cultural backgrounds, mm. um, I, I never really like identified as one. Mm. So then like I don't kind of identify as like any. Nice. And I think my music's kind of like that too. Mm. Like I don't think it's any one genre. I don't think it's any one thing. But I only think that way and feel that way because I come from two strong backgrounds. You know what I mean? Has that ever caused you any degree of being unsettled growing up? Um, or have you always been comfortable with that? I didn't really. I was. <laughs> so I was very like oblivious to a lot of stuff growing up. I was um, I was in an independent study program, so I didn't go to school until like college, like as far as like being in a class with people. Is that homeschool? Yeah, it was pretty much homeschool. Okay. So, so it was like once a week, I would meet with a teacher one-on-one and you get like your packet for the week. Oh, uh, okay. And your assignments. So, and then you get an assessment at the end of the week. And uh, it made for, it made room for a lot of waking up late playing video games and playing bass i did all my work for 11th and 12th grade within like the last 10 days because <laughs> i was just Are like all right know what i'm gonna do <laughs> i was playing bass already and stuff but um it caused some discomfort or weirdness a lot of weird things because like i was i was like when i was like 13 14 maybe 15 i don't know but I was like almost 300 pounds at one point. And then like I was already kind of tall. And then like people are like, you know, is he like Indian? Is he Ethiopian? What's going on? <laughs> so I was always kind of like not black enough for black people. Mm-hmm. And then like I wasn't black enough for white people either. Or like not Mexican enough for Mexican people. So I was like the butt of a lot of jokes. But I, I liked that people were laughing. So oh, it didn't bother you, really? So I did. Well, I was oblivious. I didn't know that it should bother me. I didn't know I was like the fool, uh-huh. until 
you start liking girls and you start doing that thing and then it's just like oh well he's nice he's funny right, he's a good right. friend i bet they feel dumb as fuck now <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. Ticks, you're like sorry yeah. like, sorry <laughs> sweetheart <Sold out. laughs> sorry your man's is lame but uh and even within myself too this is weird and I think it's important to say this. Okay. I was at one point, one of the first serious relationships I was in, my girlfriend was black. She was 100% black, not mixed. She's black. And it was getting to this point where we points where we were getting pretty serious. You know, we were like, we're going to move in together and coming from like my background, I'm thinking like, am I going to marry this girl? Like, am I going to start a family with her? And she was, she is great. She is great, and she has, I mean, you name it. She's talented, funny, cool, great body, personable, very family-oriented, sweet, caring, all that. But back then, I had this weird feeling of like, but why don't I, why don't I in the middle of the day think, oh, I should call her and text her? Why don't I, when I'm out, go, oh, I saw that thing. She would like that. I'm going to get that for her. Why don't I feel these cutesy little feelings? Why don't I want to be with her, be with her? Mm. Right. And I really wanted to face that and own up to it because it was a part of myself I didn't like. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you why, but I'm always like really nervous to say this. At the time, I was like, I think it's because she's black. Hmm. Really? And I was like, I can't feel that. I hate that. Right. I hate that I feel that. But I didn't deny that I felt that way. And I said, I'm going to figure out why I feel like this and I'm going to exterminate it because I, I don't like it. And then it was very simple. My family is mixed. Growing up without even thinking about it, I always thought the family I would make would be mixed. mixed. Right. That was it. Mm. it I didn't I didn't wasn't not attracted to her because she was black. I just thought, oh, whoa, whoa, if I'm going to start my family, other. it's got to be mixed. Because wow. that's what I just, you know, it's like the same thing when people go, oh, I imagine my wedding is going to be like this. I'm going to have it and I'm going to have a picket fence and I'm going to they make their little dream thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And once I realized that's how I felt or why that's why I felt that way, it just like evaporated. Mm. And I did feel those feelings and I loved her. And then I was like, it felt really good because I would see a group of women just out somewhere and I would just say wow she's beautiful wow she's gorgeous wow she's so stunning and it wasn't like that's a pretty black girl Mm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. or like wow she's so exotic and to a larger point this is something that like in communities of color is big colorism you know if you date somebody that's lighter than you if you date somebody that's darker than you there's there's like there's cons to both sides i feel like there's a lot of people out there that try to go for a more authentic black person because they're trying to show how black they 100%. are 100 hmm. percent. and that's as fucked up as dating you know like trying to find a kardashian mm-hmm. Hmm. it's just weird or when people say oh i want to date a gr- an asian girl why you don't know what she you might hate her do you like those features that's one thing that's fine you have a type that's fine we all have types but don't say, I got to marry a Japanese girl. Right. I got to marry a girl that's mixed. I want a Latina. I feel like that's all weird. 
and I was in that weirdness, mm. you know, without even really realizing it. It was like a just a social thing where I didn't realize I was feeling that way. And like I said, I I I, I think that it still sounds like even saying it, like I, I feel like it's important to say it, but I never like saying it because I'm embarrassed that I felt like that. Mm -hmm. Cause that is embarrassing. You know what I mean? That's not like, it wasn't like a good feeling. I didn't like it. It's maturity too though, because there's so many, I mean, I'm resonating with what you're saying, not maybe in the same example, but being taught preferences. We're taught yeah. preferences yeah. based on our hurts or our, uh, the great things that we've seen and observed. But what most uh, men don't have the uh, courage to do, I think is openly, put allow themselves to be like i could look very especially in a 2019 i mean to say that is bold to say that is is growth or it's like obviously you're coming from like a post understanding of that right yeah too many times i think that we uh we find a uh external source that supports our bias yeah good or bad yeah right i listen to npr and i let's i'm going to yeah. Japan, you know or yeah. like i it's it's so that's so amazing like just in terms of feeling uh bad about it i mean i think you should feel proud that you can even say it out loud because you're that like far removed from that and we do that in so many aspects of our lives you know yeah that's what i'm saying like i didn't even it wasn't until i'm months into a relationship with somebody that i realized like holy crap i, I don't like this i don't mm. like what i'm feeling right now and i gotta like work through it have you always been that self-reflective to stop and say i don't like what not only recognize it, but then to be self-reflective enough to go deep and uh -huh. understand it and decide if you want to ditch it or yeah, where does that come from? Uh, or have you just always been that way? I don't know. I probably, I probably haven't always been that way, but I just figure, you know, I'm the only person I really can change. Like, I, I have command of how I feel and how I think. And, um, you, you plant and water the seeds of, all your ideas and feelings so you get to choose which one you you allow to flourish and i saw that one and i was like that's got to go that's got to go because it's not cool and it doesn't make sense and it's ugly and then i was like thinking like i said you know why do i feel this way and then trying to think of why did i feel that way then it revealed itself yeah you're like my dad looks like tony danza <laughs> my the, other the, the, the other way I describe my dad the other way I describe my dad is that like if Danny DeVito was Mario <laughs> if Danny DeVito was Mario my dad yeah. would be Luigi yes you know what I mean that's so good yeah and then my mom is like this tall like kind of like, she's got more like kind of like Indian features but like she's you know she's Jamaican and then her mom my grandma was white no with like way. with but from Jamaica from Kingston yeah. but with a thick accent but where are you now with your uh, now that you've kind of gone through this whole process yeah. and you understand this bit about yourself uh -huh. where are you now with like what you want to pursue and having a family and a partner and um I am I am dating right now mm -hmm. and I don't know like I think that I reached a point where like just mentally I'm just like you know okay so we're gonna start thinking about what we're going to be doing in the next couple months and years, et cetera, et cetera. Because I think that there's a certain beauty in finding someone and investing in them, mm, mm -hmm. you know, cause I mean, if you want somebody for a night, that ain't hard to find. 
mm-hmm. for anybody really. But you can have a lot of those little moments with a lot of people. But I like I have friends that have been dating, you know, like four or five years and they kind of dress alike and they they don't really argue, you know what I mean? But they just kind of go back and forth and they do things together and they go eat. And something about doing that kind of stuff with the same person is is cool to me. I like that, you know? So, yeah, I could see myself I could see myself getting married. I like kids. Come from a big family, you know, so I'm used to it. I'm not you know, doesn't weird me out or whatever. Yeah. yeah I think some people are just built for relationships. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. Yeah, some people are, some people aren't. Yeah. Yeah, this is simple as that. You seem skeptical. I don't think it's that simple. <laughs> some people are just built for relationships. Or more like... Uh, Why like, not? No. Why isn't it that simple? Because uh, it's... Because, like, there's no one built for... A rela- no one's built to have another human being who's, like, different. Whoa, hold on. You don't think we're, like... No, we as, are. As a species? No, we are. We are made for a relationship. I think yeah. that's amazing. Oh. But some people just being built for it, like... Like I just love compromises and listening and oh. loving and like that's my thing. I, I was yeah. born that way. Okay, cool. yeah. That yeah. takes a lot of personal growth of to get to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't think anyone just pops up like Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then you have like and then you have people that are like serial daters. Yeah. And you're like, you need to be alone mm-hmm. for a little bit. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like we're going through a counseling session. I feel like it's getting too personal now. <laughs> I got to get back to yours. Oh, well, if we, if we need to get back to Max, I did recently hear that you've become the captain of the Mark Twain boat. Of the, oh, yeah. In Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. You want to yeah. tell us about that? Of the what? I, sorry. Go ahead. I was the, I'm the captain of the Mark Twain boat at Disneyland. Oh, do explain. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, it was, we're at Disneyland one time. And I just, I marched on there and I was like, look, y'all, Mark Twain wrote, wrote all those books and no black people got no money. So what are y'all, what are y'all going to do about it? And I just stood there and then they're like, we'll make you captain of the boat. <laughs> no. And I was like, all right, bet. So then I went up to the top, gave me a hat. I got to pull the thing <laughs> and I got to drive it around. No. I'm not really the captain of the boat. But still though, yeah. you are. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, but you know how many people took that seriously? What? I got look at so I posted the thing. I, posted this thing st- on, I just inst- saw it on his yeah. Instagram. Oh, yeah. yeah. I posted this thing on Instagram and it was stupid. So I just whatever came to mind, I just wrote down and says like, yeah, you know, after like a twelve year negotiation, I'm proud to announce I'm now the captain of the Mark Twain boat at Disneyland. I want to thank everyone from the crew and the team supporting me all this time. You know, I was like to my wife, whatever, like, I'm sorry I haven't seen our son in, <laughs> like in twelve years. You know, I hope you forgive me. Think about me while I'm out there on the high seas. And, and people some, took that seriously? Somebody commented, they sent me a message. They were like, they were like, I'm so proud of you. And like, don't worry, like things will work out between you and your son. And I was like, yeah, thanks. Wow. <laughs> the internet, I don't ever clear, clear it up or anything like that. Like the only thing I would say is like, you, if you, <laughs> if you're smart enough, you're going to know when I'm saying something serious or not. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if I post a picture and I say like, Hey, you know, I just want to say thanks to my friends and family for like supporting me. That's real. That's honest. Mm-hmm. But if I talk about how I'm the captain of the Mark Twain boat yeah, right. and I'm talking about my son, Jephroditus is what I named him. Love it. I, I totally remember Jephroditus. that. Jephroditus. <laughs> that's right. that's, An old Greek that's, obvious, that's obviously not real. I don't even know you. And I read right. that and I was like, this is hilarious. It's, it's like, you know, when, when Elon Musk unveiled the Cybertruck. And he said the windows were bulletproof. Oh, yeah. 
He said, look it, he's smart. Yeah. He's, he's really smart. So he said the windows were bulletproof. And he, like, what did he do? He threw something in the window yeah, yeah. and it shattered. Yeah. Right. And he goes, oh, no. Yeah. It was a joke, dude. Yeah, right. The window's not bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> right. Was it really a joke? That's a vibe like yeah. idiot now. No, that's what I'm saying. My dude, friend yeah. told me about that. It was a joke. It was no a joke. Way. He posted a picture of the Cybertruck on his Twitter and he said, I literally just did this for the memes. For the memes, dude. That's smart. But this is what concerns me about sort of like the way we communicate over these platforms. I mean, yeah. like I am a fan of these. Pl I'm the media coordinator for an international company. I'm a fan of these platforms right. on some level. Right. But it also is like, and maybe it's because of where I come from in my career, which you don't know anything about, but like there's things that really matter in the world. Yeah. There's things that we really should be concerned about as humans. Yes. About the sort of like sustainability of our species about mm -hmm. the sustainability of our families and our relationships that's not what's getting talked about it's whether or not you went to see a movie with some famous person yeah. or you saw a famous person at the grocery store right there's people who wake up in the morning concerned about how they're going to feed their children that day exactly. that matters exactly whether or not you saw some famous person at a grocery store does not matter yeah <laughs> so so i'm glad you brought that up because i think that that is a responsible thing to do with your celebrity status or whatever exactly it's like you know what i know y'all probably want to see pictures of me mm -hmm. on the red carpet or whatever but i'm going to tell you about this thing that's happening because y'all should care about it and if we all care about it then we can make something happen mm -hmm. you know like you said uh if people put all that energy and attention to certain other things then it probably wouldn't even happen for one thing but whatever the thing is you know right but it requires you feeling like you have a platform for a purpose not just a platform to have a platform right as a celebrity yeah. so if you have yeah. a, if you have a platform what am i going to do with that platform which is why i asked you about yours mm -hmm. you know you're obviously i mean that's what you want what do you want to do with your music what, what's your end game what's your goal do you want to be a celebrity and famous and huge musician that that doesn't that doesn't if, if i'm able to just make music and have a I mean, if we're talking about like you know little tangible things like that if i can have a house and a vehicle and just make music, take care of my loved ones. Cool. I won. Anything else besides that is just, you know, icing on the cake or however you want to describe it. But I, I do want people to feel more curious and like empathetic, uh, more compassionate, you know, more community driven, mm. uh, so yeah, I, I just I just kind of want to want to shake up people's thinking in in such a way where they're not so apathetic and bummed out over like nothing, you know? Because because what shakes you up when you get apathetic? What shakes me up when I get apathetic? I just uh, I start to think outside of myself. I think about other people. Like you know, if I'm really 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 bummed out, there's always like this safety net where I go like, yeah, but I have shoes, and like I made it past ten years old. And like, I didn't, I mean, if you really want to go like the whole spectrum of like suffering, right? It's just like, yeah, I have clean water. I'm dry. I don't have ringworm. <laughs> I didn't have to go through like genital mutilation unless you count circumcision, but it's like <laughs> kind of different, you know, <laughs> but it is same, but different. Right. But you know, it's like yeah. you, you, you're doing us three. We're doing better than like 70, 80% of the earth. Or like right. 95. Or like 95%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you're being more, yeah, I mean, honestly. So, so those kind of things make me go, 
Yeah, man, I don't have any business like being here moping around and being bummed out. Mm-mm. Most of everything is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm overdrawn <laughs> right now, but whatever. That'll fix itself. That's fine. <laughs> you know, it's just like big deal. What, can I ask you about your period before your a car accident when you said you felt suicidal or is that going yeah. too much so no 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 not at all not okay, at all cool. I'm, I'm open but just because it seems like you have a good perspective on things now but if you were to a place where you were actually suicidal at your life in yeah. your life mm-hmm. where did that come from so i was working for my pops doing electrical and um do you know the number one rule of working for family don't <laughs> nice. don't do it that's a good one yeah so in uh in 2015 he had racked up four duis and he had to go do some time so he was in jail for like six months and i uh i like to the best of my ability i like stepped up to the plate you know and i was like trying to run his company i tried to make sure my family kept the house that we all grew up in because I didn't think it was fair for one person's uh, mistakes that everyone should have to suffer like that. But where I overextended myself was thinking that it was going to be that kindness was going to be like reciprocated. So when my dad got out, he was like, well, you did all right. You didn't do this thing right. You know, I told you to do this and you didn't do it. You wouldn't have struggled so much if you had just like listened to me. Instead of just being like, bro, like, oh, my God, like you, you did it, you know, and he was like saying, uh, oh, yeah, when I because we used to go visit him, I as much as I didn't like him at the time. And like I was like actually like angry at him. I told my sisters and my mom, I said, we got to go visit him. We got to be there physically. We got to eat food together. And we tried um, like every week when we were able to go down there and visit him, just support him. You know what I mean? I was just like. Cause I think, I think integrity is, a uh, is a, uh, it's a quality that's diminishing. You know, you have like, if you have a friend and for like 11 months out of the year, they were like a dope friend. Like they, you know, paid for your food. They held you when you cried, et cetera, et cetera. And then for like the 12th month, they just totally flipped on you. It's got really depressed or grouchy, cussed you out. People will forget that other 11 months. You know, and it doesn't mean you got to be there for that person and hurt yourself in that little increment of time, but don't forget, you know, that they were there for you. They do still serve. They do still deserve some of your love and respect and you don't, you don't not owe them something just because they're like messing up in that moment. Right. So that's kind of how I felt about my dad was like, you know, he held it down. Like my mom hasn't had to work since they've been married. They've, they've been together uh 30 years now my mom has not had a job that whole time wow so i'm just like yeah man you know six months like this is definitely all your fault (laughs) but let we're not going to make it any better by you know firing back at you and being like yeah well you know you're an idiot and da 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 so i kind of came into that whole situation doing that we're just gonna muster through this and power through and you know take it day by day there was times when i would go to work and there was one time i remember i almost passed out and I couldn't figure out why it was because like I was only eating like top ramen oh. for like it has nothing in it. So I felt full. I felt like I ate something. But then like I'm trying to like put like a put like a, a circuit breaker panel on someone's wall and you got to like hold it up. And it wasn't like hot outside or anything like that. But I was just like, man, dude, I feel like I'm so tired right now. My, my coworker, Ramon, good friend of mine, he was just like, hey, like oh, what's wrong with you, Maxito? What's going on? 
and I was like, I gotta sit down. Like I'm like sweating and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, I just I wasn't eating. Yeah. I wasn't eating because we didn't have food, right? But all that, right? And like I'm thinking, my dad's out. And we're about to get to it, you know, as father and son. And I, I, for all of the beef we've had in the past, and like not getting along and not seeing eye to eye and arguing and da 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 da. I thought this is the one thing we have not been through. This is a tough situation. And he's going to say, you did it. Mm. And he didn't. He told me I messed up. He told me that I didn't do a good enough job. And I was bummed. I was bummed. You know what I mean? I just had to go right back to working for him. He, there was times where he wouldn't give me my paycheck. And he had it. He had the money. He would just like to make me wait for it. He liked for me to ask. He never wanted to give me direct deposit. He would always say, like, oh, no, you got to, like, wait for me to write it out. Power trip. Power trip, power trip, power trip all the time. And so between 2015 and like up into the accident, which was last year, I was like, I just felt, I went through like a lot of periods of time, like a feeling like worthless mm. and feeling like I didn't matter to my family. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's like the people that you, you hope you matter the most to, or you, you can't really fight that feeling. You want them, you want to matter to them to some degree. Especially if you don't matter to anybody else in the world, you want to matter to yeah. your family. Yeah. Even if it's just a couple of them, you know, but yeah, I just felt like, like a, I felt like a dead battery. Like I kept the charge going for a while and then like I was spent and it was just like, just tossed me to the side. And that's kind of how I felt by like my family, you know, and I've, and I've voiced it to them. I told them how I felt and everything because I always want to, like, I, I feel like when you, when you voice things like that. It's a win-win because either you're right or you're wrong. And there's no, that's a, that's a win either way. Mm. So, you know, I told them I felt that way. And I think that a lot of them just didn't really know how I was feeling. You know, like my, my sisters, they didn't really know I felt that way. And how, how would they know unless I said something, you know? So that was nice because I, I was able to kind of like get rid of some of that, but not with my dad, you know what I mean? And then, um, yeah, last year, it was like right before I turned 30, and I just told myself, like, I can't go into this next decade of my life with the same problems that I have now. I have to have a friend of mine, she um, she said the word autonomy one time, mm. and, like, I had never heard that word before. Mm. And um, I think sometimes for the sake of keeping a conversation moving, we'll agree to something, and we don't, like, really quite know what the word means. But I try to ask, even if I sound, like, you know, uneducated. So I was like, what does autonomy mean? And when I looked it up and I was like, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. Everybody deserves that. Everybody deserves 100% autonomy in their life. You should feel like you have a tight grip on the steering wheel and it's your vessel because it is right. And so I felt like I was lacking that working for my dad because I was like, dude, do I want to be 30, 35 with like, you know, a wife or something. And then I'm like, man, I really hope my dad gives me my money. How juvenile does that sound? You know what I mean? So I was just like, at this point it's on me, you know, it's on me for not having the boldness to break away from that and try to find work elsewhere, do something. And I actually found a better job for a while. And I was still doing, <clears throat> it was, it was sort of like, uh, instead of like a, going from step one to step two, it was like 1.5, you know, cause I was still doing electrical mm -hmm. and I was like working at like a big factory, 
but it was it was a dope job you know it was like i was making good money a great great schedule is right by my house um like full benefits i got to go on like a dope vacation earlier this year that i've been wanting to go and it was cool i felt i felt like i accomplished it i was i was um on a train in tokyo with my cousin nice talking about some other money i was gonna spend and it hit me i was like i'm here on my dollar on my time and this is my life and not everyone goes through that but that was something like personal for me like yeah i'm really like out here driving this this boat you know this <laughs> boat captain yeah. <laughs> yeah i got it you know what I mean? yeah so <laughs> yeah so the the depre- the depression was just um like in feeling like hopeless hmm. like if this is it i'm not gonna keep going if this is the rest of my life then i'm just gonna call it that's how i felt but so depression wasn't something you've struggled with your whole life it was just kind of a period of life yeah yeah i mean you know i think we all have like patches of it here and there you know what i mean i actually heard this, and we're gonna get to this next is i'm gonna before that oh, you gotta go yeah i'm gonna probably have to oh, I want, to go now one well yeah well one qu- i want to sure. ask one question sure. yes. for the record because i'd love to hear this played back at a later day okay it's corny as it sounds yes give me paint me the picture in your in a perfect world five years from now what does your music life look like in your mind's eye mm-hmm. um not being or not feeling limited at all by my like technical ability mm-hmm. on my instrument writing what i feel like for me is basically just like like superhero music mm. you know like in every sense of the word like it like it doesn't have to sound heroic but it should be like strong and you should be like yeah you should feel cool yeah, right. and it should have parts where you're like holy crap that was dope yeah that's kind of music you know yeah. and like just like li- i don't know like living in a living in a nice little house that i have like automated and decked out like exactly how i want a couple pets yeah maybe an orangutan if that's allowed <laughs> that'd be dope yeah. and like a little family a little you know yeah and just just making music and not really worrying about too too much i can see that yeah. i can see that happening thanks man I'm gonna, sure. I want to hear the dap clap on the oh, that wasn't a on good the one. microphone. Yeah, oh, there oh, you go. Yeah. There nice. Go. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. sure. Thank you so much. Of course. Are you still good, Max? Yeah, okay, I'm diving in. Yeah. Okay. Like, that was just a teaser. It really sunk you. Oh yeah, I felt. Time. I mean, what kept you from making that decision? From making that choice? My youngest sister and my nephew, Riley. I thought I'm not I'm not getting rid of my hurt. I'm just putting it on my loved ones. Mm. That's really what it boiled down to was that I said, "Man, I'm hurting and I hate this, but how selfish of it how selfish would it be of me to just transfer that to someone else like for the rest of their life?" Mm-hmm. Like I'm not feeling it anymore. I'm gone. But now they got to deal with it. Yep. So it's kind of like dying with a lot of debt. It's basically the same thing. You know, it's like it's an emotional debt. Mm-hmm. So I just couldn't, you know, that was, that was, they were like my lifeline. Mm-hmm. They're my lifeline. They really, they really kept me. And I've never, I've never said it to them in such like direct ways. Like Riley's, Riley's nine. He'll only be, you know, he'll be oh. 10 next year. So he's not, he's going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, but, um, 
I remember there was there was one point during that time where like I forget what happened. I was like my phone was off or something like that, and and I like I slept in. I didn't charge my phone, so it was like it was like a period of like thirty something hours where like I didn't answer my phone, but it wasn't like intentional or anything, you know. And I had a knock on my door at my house, and it was my older sister, and she was already on the phone, and she just goes, "Yeah, he's here. He's okay." Nice. And. I was like, what's going on? And she was like, well, we didn't hear from you for a while. So we got worried. And then I went over to my parents' house and my youngest sister, she just gave me a big hug and she started crying. And she said, I thought you killed yourself. Had you ever expressed to her that you felt that way? Or that you had in contemplated? Part, in part, yeah. Wow. And she just said, I thought you killed yourself. And she was crying. Oh my gosh. And it just made it, I don't know. It was like, it was like, a, it was like a breath of fresh air. You know, it was like refreshing to in a weird way it was just like damn you know thinking about stuff versus like actually going through with action Mm -hmm. or like a lot of times you know the emotional you know aspect of it is is so different when you're like it's kind of like when you're thinking about an argument with somebody and you're like yeah and i would have said this and i would have said that but then actually being there and feeling those feelings and not getting your words out right it's like totally different right and um, I looked up a lot of facts and like statistics and data and stuff like that. And like suicide is pretty weird because like no one wants to talk about it. But I definitely feel like a large number of people have felt those feelings and have seriously th- thought about it and how they would do it. And uh, I kept saying this thing to myself that there's like colors to depression and like the lowest level for me like i called it like red depression because you truly are like burned out and you're Mm. like jaded you just like your car caught on fire you're just like yep car caught on fire whatever Mm -hmm. you know oh like my back hurts whatever you walk out into the street the car's coming you're just like eh and it's just like where you're not even sad anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't even I don't even have it in me to be sad. I don't even have it in me to cry. That's the lowest level when you really do like let go of like mm-hmm. needing to feel alive. Mm-hmm. You already de- are dead to some extent, you know. And uh, there's other things too, like women statistically take more painful approaches to suicide but are oftentimes less successful whereas men don't always take more painful methods but they are more successful and you know what i thought at the time i said well at least we're good at something (laughs) i remember saying that to myself when i read that that's how i felt so you were actually researching suicide at this time yeah, because I just, you know, I call, I call the suicide hotline, and, you know, you cry, you're on the phone for 20 minutes, and they tell you to go to sleep and eat some food. It goes into this whole mental health and wellness um, landscape that we have. I don't, I don't want to say just in America. I just want to say as humans in general, but, but I'm going to specifically speak about America. We understand that people have mental health wellness challenges, but we expect them to behave as if they don't. Right, right. That conversation has to be impacted somehow. We've got to inform that conversation if we're going to address yeah. it, not just with our communities, but within ourselves. Yeah. 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 And I feel like the conversation has to have some 
useful contributions from the people who are actually struggling with the non-functioning mental wellness because everybody's got a mental wellness challenge at some point in their emotional wellness challenge at some point in their lives yeah but when you have those challenges in such a way that you you're debilitated from functioning in a productive way in our society Mm -hmm. that's different yes and we have to if as a community we're going to learn how to be more compassionate and empathetic and and supportive of these people we have to understand that difference and that spectrum yeah i i agree 100 percent. you have to or i should say you should be willing to do like the tough work and the Mm -hmm. ugly work Mm -hmm. you know like if somebody is having a breakdown go to their house Mm -hmm. physically go to them hug them you aren't going to know what to say. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you shouldn't say anything. And you shouldn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Just be present. Just be present. Be yeah. really present. Yeah. That's it. And we have to get rid of this thinking that leaning on someone for a period of time is like weakness. Mm. There's, look at it. There's, there's nobody on this planet who has you know, who's been successful all through their own doing. Mm-hmm. You get help from somebody. You are getting help from somebody. We all, you to say that we, I don't know, to say that we lean on each other is like to, is almost saying that that's like weird, that that's not what we should be doing. We, sh- we, we do that. We should do that. Mm-hmm. We're here to keep each other warm and, and motivated. But that requires right. a mentality of community-based um, relationships, which we don't nurture all the time in this society. Yeah. It's very in true. other cultures we do. Yeah. But not necessarily in our culture. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think that needs to change mm-hmm. because it's not going to, it's not going to improve unless we're willing to, you know, change the conversation on it. We should be more empathetic to people. Mm-hmm. We should try to be more understanding, more present, be willing to allow people to work through things and maybe they don't always have the right vocabulary or presence Mm -hmm. of mind to be like nice about it Mm -hmm. Uh, you know i'm sure that there were i know i was snappy i know i was mean i know i said you know uh i was i don't mean like maybe not standoffish but i was like short or condescending and stuff but it's just because like I didn't I was I didn't want to be bothered with people. I didn't want I, I had so much other things on my mind that it's kinda like when somebody you know, you don't have the mental space for it, you don't have the, the patience for it. So what was useful to you when you were in that space? Like what what could what could people do? You you know what you mentioned a good a good word, a good descriptor. Was that like we all have like a condition or or we all sh- we all have mental states but it's like when it becomes like an illness mm-hmm. right so when it like you said when it starts to affect how you function in life mm-hmm. you you should in the same way if you have the flu sit down and say i have to work on this mm-hmm. and i have to allow my body time to heal cuz you know your mind is part of your body so we should stop treating it so differently mm-hmm. in some respects you know it's like you you have the flu you call into work yo sick we need to have similar thought processes about when people are like emotionally not feeling well 
because then what happens when we don't, you know, it becomes worse because it is an, it is an illness when it's at that point, you know, people will act out. They will hit somebody. They will be abusive. They will buy a gun make lots of irrational choices. irrational choices yeah, yeah because they're they're now at a point where like they don't care right so their thinking is now skewed in an unhealthy way but that doesn't mean that they're bad it just means that something something up there is not acting right yeah if i had a runny nose and if my back hurt and i had a cough i would go i think i'm sick <laughs> you know if i'm having thoughts of suicide and i'm being mean to my loved ones in distance distancing myself I should say, I think I'm sick, mm-hmm. but there's not anything wrong with me. I just have uh, like a brain cold mm-hmm. and I got to figure out how to treat it. Recognizing that though, for a lot of people is really challenging. So I have a friend right now who's been through a second major manic episode, ended up in jail three or four times before mm-hmm. he was finally taken to a psychiatric unit. Mm-hmm. We're talking about an incredibly intelligent talented musician creative guy really sort of a figure in our community mm-hmm. for being such a peaceful sort of like insightful guy his chemistry did whatever it did to cause this yeah there was no he had no ability to recognize that that was what was happening at the time so it was like yeah dude you're you're having a manic episode yeah in it wasn't until he was forced unfortunately through medication before he came down enough to then be like yeah what i was experiencing was not he couldn't understand why people were having this response to him around he was like what is everybody freaking out about and he couldn't understand it so everybody around him is expecting him to understand why his behavior is not okay (laughs) he's trying to figure out why everybody around him is like what is wrong with everybody Yeah. yeah it's a really challenging complex layered complicated business that goes on in our brains and our bodies that we know very little about yeah yeah and where do you feel like your mental health and wellness is at the moment i i feel good yeah yeah but i have been wanting to do regular therapy for a while oh wow because i feel like hey you know what you go to the doctor you go to the dentist Mm -hmm. why don't you go to a brain doctor maintenance maintenance exactly just kind of like you know reflecting like making sure you're all right and it's better to have um, a professional Mm -hmm. a little bit more unbiased and trained in a way where they'll help you be aware of things and then challenge you Mm -hmm. i think that's important and even just to to vent yeah and just you know get that stuff out talk about it this is a form of therapy yeah, for sure. This is therapeutic, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just connecting with other humans yeah. and just talking. Yeah, 100%, you know. But if you want to maybe sharpen certain skills or learn more about yourself, then, yeah, it's probably better to go to somebody who's equipped to navigate you mm-hmm. through those things. So I think it's important. I will at some point in the near future. Have you done that before? Like gone to a therapist? Mm-hmm. I've not, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I've not. And I think it's just it's it's probably similar to any other aspect of that like you know you go like yeah i need to make a dentist appointment like that's how i kind of like feel about it like oh i I know i need to do that yeah but it's kind of like but i feel pretty all right so it kind of goes on the back burner a little bit but it's so interesting because you are so self-reflective you would think that you've like you have friends that you sit around and talk about this stuff with some yeah like 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 one one friend I, i don't talk to him often but we 
wind up having conversations like this a lot. His name is Gerardo. Mm-hmm. And he is very, he could be, he would probably be a great therapist, actually. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> you should suggest that. Yeah, I'm going to suggest that to him. <laughs> hey, man, guess what? <laughs> yeah. I figured out what you need to be today. Yeah. <laughs> I was drinking some coffee and I was like, talking about stuff and figured out your life for you. But I like learning things. Mm-hmm. I like knowing stuff. I always like that part in the Matrix where they're like plugged in and they're like, oh, I know Kung Fu. Oh, yes. <laughs> and like if I could do that with everything uh-huh. and know everything just because I'm fascinated uh-huh. by, by knowledge and everything. You can tell you're naturally curious. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sure. But yeah, I like that. Like I would, when I was little, I would take stuff apart all the time. Yeah. Just, I don't know, some innate thing. But mm-hmm. along with that, I want to know about myself just as much. Mm-hmm. It's not any different. You know, like I, I like to learn about things like space. I like to learn about nature. I like to learn about people. I like to learn about music. Well, the more you learn about things, the more you learn about yourself. Exactly. Yeah. It's and, all and one And other the same. people too. The mm-hmm. more you learn about other people, the more you learn about yourself. Yeah. But yeah, just being aware and being present and you have to be reflective to do that. Right. Well, so. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about you being on tour. Okay. Um, give us the lead up to that. How did you end up playing with Alejandro? How'd you end up on tour? Yeah. It was pretty cool. So I was... It was er- it was earlier th- earlier this year, like mm, early summer, mm-hmm. and Alejandro hit me up and he was just like, "Hey man, uh, I'm gonna go to Disneyland today. Would you like to come?" And I have a pass. I like to go to Disneyland, so I was just like, "Yeah, I'll go." And he. So you guys were friends already. Oh yeah 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 yeah. So so we played. I was in a band with with Andy and the some of the Jellyhead guys, mm. uh, called Porcelain Pale. Yes. Yeah. So I was, okay. playing, I was yes. playing Porcelain Pale. Got it. And Alejandro played this show that we played uh, at, um, what was that place called? The Continental Room, I think, in Fullerton. And uh, I've been there. Yeah. It's so like it was like us. It was Alejandro. And then I think it was this other band called Limbs, which was pretty cool. They're pretty dope. Mm. But um, I had already started following, following Alejandro on Instagram. And I had the same reaction, I imagine any sane person would have well, yeah. I was just like holy crap <laughs> yeah. this guy's amazing it was yeah. like you know it wasn't like oh this part could be a little better it was just yeah. like I was floored yeah I was floored I'm still floored like I still you know getting it's just so interesting it's interesting and and uh I credit him for he, he his brain works in a very very interesting way he's able to you know like people throw around the word like genius a lot mm-hmm. but to me like genius in some ways is someone who uh parts of their brain just problem solve yeah. a lot faster yes and retain and collect information in a very unique and mm-hmm. beautiful way yeah because for as uh, amazing as he is and he'll say this he'll say there's not anything like or he might have said it ver- verbatim you know but like there's not anything he can do that like anyone else can do right and it's true absolutely it's true you know it's mm-hmm. just like you know but it's the way he expresses it's the way it. he expresses so it different. Yeah, yeah yeah that's that's him that's what you're exactly. you know it's not yeah. the, it's not the technicality of it Mm-mm. it's the way he puts it together mm-hmm. that's alejandro you know but he played and we played and then he just came up to me like he knew me already mm. he was just like hey man like how you doing how you feeling you know you feeling good and i was like yeah man it's really great to meet you and he's like yeah, dude, yeah cool nice to meet you too and 
yeah, that was in, I think, 2017. And um, just kept in contact, you know, just hung out here and there, played a couple shows here and there. Um, uh, Travis, who plays guitar in the band, and I played with him, I think once or twice, just like little cafe shows. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, it was after he was done with uh with all like the, i think he was getting close to being done with all like the idol stuff that mm -hmm, he had to do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he invites me to disneyland and he's like saying uh we're walking around some area of area of the park and he goes uh yeah so i got this tour coming up in the fall you know don't we put a band together and he's just like so i just want to see if you want to play bass <laughs> just like that and i was like no <laughs> why would i do that <laughs> no, I was like immediately like, oh my God, I got to quit my serious? job. I got to do this. I got to blah, 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 blah. So I was like trying to be cool about it. I was like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. great. Dude. Like, you know what I mean? No, I was totally like. Let me it. check my schedule. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't do it. I was elated. I was like, really? You're really asking me? That's like cool. you really want me to do it? Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, man. He's he's just like, yeah, I, I want you to play. Nice. And uh, I, I think about it all the time. Like he probably could have got anybody in the, in the world, honestly could have got you know you name it mm -hmm. so i feel extremely 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 grateful mm. we were watching some show while we were on tour and they said the difference between luck and hard work i think that was what between luck and hard work is one is an accident and one's on purpose mm -hmm. and don't get the two confused right and uh really it was like a, i would say it's like a combination of both of those things mm -hmm. because i you know i i've been playing bass for a while so that part's the hard work part mm -hmm. but i could have very easily not played that show and not met him exactly that's very serendipitous happenstance mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it so that would i would say is more in the realm of like luck i could have very easily not known alejandro right simple as that you know and then um so that was squared away he was like, yeah, I got a couple shows coming up and we're going to do a tour in the fall. So I want to mm -hmm. see if you want to play bass. So that happened. So then Wires played a show and um, after the show. And tell me real quick, what's tell the audience what Wires is. Wires is my band. Yes. With? With Travis. And right now we have a friend of ours playing drums. His name is James. Okay. And he is also like a producer and makes music. Okay. Da -da -da. So... Yeah, Wires had just played a show in Venice, mm -hmm. and I was hanging out with Travis, and we were like, oh, let's go get some Thai food. And it's kind of funny how simple things can take on so much meaning sometimes, but I remember we're eating Thai food. Alejandro hits me up again. He's just like, yeah, man, I'm going to go back to Disneyland. You want to come? <laughs> like, so I was like, yeah, I want to go. <laughs> and then all I said was, hey, can Travis come? And he was like, yeah. So we're all there. Travis is walking with Alejandro. And then they were having a conversation. Then Travis comes up to me nice. and he says, dude, Alejandro just asked me if I want to nice. play guitar on the tour. <laughs> and like, I was just like, I felt like, like just blissful. I felt like euphoric because it was already so cool to be able to go like with one friend. Yeah. But now it was like another friend's going to that I'm like really close to. Yeah. I just like, I mean, yeah. How do you not feel lucky? How do you not feel like, like, I feel like I won the, won the lottery. That's amazing. And then the whole tour just felt like summer camp right everybody on the crew got along oh, every great. single person i love them all with like 100 percent of my heart wow. they're just 
I don't have anything. I don't have anything bad to say. We never, we ne- we never argued. We never fought. Nothing. That's amazing. Like it was it, for seven weeks being in a bus that's probably like what sixty feet long. Right. A family, people from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. How often does that happen? You know. Yeah. That's a lot of willingness. That's a lot of people with a ton of willingness yeah. to be in a community. Yeah. 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 It was like this little, I don't know if like microcosm is the right word or like little micro sure. community, little thing. I just like that word microcosm. I should look it up <laughs> before I start using it. I like that word. But yeah, you know, we all got along. I think Darren likes me. <laughs> I think Travis sure. likes me. Darren King, do you yeah. like Max? Like, comment, and subscribe if you like Max. <laughs> Darren King only, please. But yeah, I feel bad. I made a comment about a <laughs> lightsaber coming out of Darren's forehead this morning, but that's cool. <laughs> Wait, you did? Yeah. Brandon posted a picture I took of Brandon was interviewing Darren uh-huh. and I took a picture. And so he posted this morning on Instagram. Yeah. And so I probably shouldn't have put that on there, but I was like, cause Brandon was like talking about how he's his favorite person to interview. And I was like, yeah. And he can conjure a saber out of his forehead because <laughs> The picture, I took it in such a way that Brandon's light looks like a lightsaber coming out of Darren's forehead. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, he can do that. Yeah. He so. doesn't tell that to everybody, but yeah, he can, he can, he can project beams of light. Uh, another fun fact about Darren King is that unless he was, he's not, he, he didn't, he's not a liar. Darren King's not a liar, but he definitely wasn't lying about this one thing in particular it was like, he, it was like, uh, cause we all brought our, our Nintendos. Oh, nice. Right. And we were all playing Super Smash Brothers. Really fun game. But <laughs> he kept asking us, like, are you guys going to play? So we are like, yeah. Basically, he had not played before, ever. Okay. And the only reason why I'm skeptical is the degree in which he got so good so quickly, like, at that game was, like, kind of scary. <laughs> like, you're it was lying, like, dude. Yeah, I was like, you played this before, dog. Like, come on. <laughs> And, but it was kind of funny because like he was doing the thing where he like he would like move the controller like while he's playing, you know what I mean? So I was like, damn, maybe he really hasn't played before. But he got really, really, really good. And like um, Travis is really good at the game. So there was <laughs> there was one time where it was it was uh, the four of us were playing all like the band members, and Alejandro and I were already out because mm-hmm. you get like lives and stuff like that, and then okay. like you know yeah. you run out, you're out. So it was Travis and Darren left, and Darren you know, with like no handicap or anything like that without like Travis was really, really trying to beat him and Darren actually beat him. The whole bus like erupted. <laughs> like we were like screaming and Darren's like, ah! <laughs> like yeah. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. He got hands. He's probably one of those guys that like just whatever he does, he just picks it up. He's probably good at it. Yeah. My yeah, cousin's yeah. like that. I think that, I think that when you put yourself in that, uh, way of thinking, cause he plays a lot of instruments too. Yeah. But I think that it's kind of a, out of desire and necessity, you know, like hand in hand. It's like, yeah, I want to play this piano part. So I better learn how to do it. Right. And then your brain just, you know, gets in line with it. So. Okay. So you had a blast on this tour. Yeah. Are you going to go on tour with him again? Yes. Yeah. So, so the plan is we're going to be headed out to Europe next year. Like oh, that's in the right. Spring. I didn't see that. Yeah. Stoked on that. Yeah. Yes. I wish you could go just a little bit later. So I'll be there. Yeah. Can that would be awesome. That? I'll, I'll put in a good just word. Just like two months later. Or stay for two months. Could you? Stop. Okay. <laughs> Why would yeah, I'm down? <laughs> I'll be down just a little what, bit what longer. Better, what other I got, thing I got to do? Come on. Right. <laughs> you know? Okay. So going on tour with Alejandro, super rad. Very. But what very. do you want to do with your own, um, with wires, with your own music? Um, 
there's a lot of things that I want to do. I would like to go on. It would be cool to get to the point where we're going on tours of that level. Okay. You know, maybe like I don't, it doesn't matter if we're on a bus per se, but just like, you know, being able to go like full U.S. tours mm-hmm. and European tours like that's that'd be really cool. And there's a lot involved with that. Um, it's a big team effort. Does that mean you want to get signed and have management? Yeah. Well, like okay. management management for sure. I don't yeah. you know, like like this. The signing thing is is interesting because I don't totally know how that works. I don't think I don't think anyone fully, fully, fully does. Okay. <laughs> but essentially they're becoming more and more of like an unnecessary middleman. Okay. I'll put it to you this way. You can record a song. We could record a song with this with as much stuff as we can fit on this table or a laptop. Right. Sitting here. Put it on Spotify, put it on Bandcamp, put it on SoundCloud, and it gets a million streams. Right. And guess what? All of a sudden, you're playing everywhere. Right. Why do you need to bring somebody else into the equation? Right. If you by yourself can make a full symphony with a laptop and then people want to hear it and you go on, you know, yeah. So, so you know, that's where the, like, a lot of these like uh, record companies are kind of like struggling. And, and I didn't – I learned this recently that the ratio in which they make a profit, like their profit margin a lot of times – is horrible in comparison to other forms of entertainment you know they find somebody that's like a little teeny bopper one hit wonder invest five million but then make like seven million and it's kind of like it's not a huge incentive yeah that's kind of weird yeah whereas like you know if you get somebody that you can kind of brand and market and then make products and merchandise now you're now you're looking good but the thing that's happening is people that are that they go well why should i Exactly. <laughs> Why should I give it to you? That has been Why my question. Why should I let you do it? Right. Yeah. So that's what's happening. And you know what? I would say that it's good, but also at the same time, it's like a, it's kind of a little too late in a way, because you have these entities like Spotify that are not gonna go anywhere, that figured out how to cash in, and somehow, no artist, no person that actually makes music thought to do something like that. It's like remember back in the day when like Metallica was getting mad at Napster. Mm, yeah. And not one of them thought, what if we just buy Napster? Did it ourselves. <laughs> you know how wealthy they would be and how that would have changed? I mean, not to just blame them, but they right. were one of the ones that were really like griping about mm-hmm. that platform. And it didn't go anywhere. It just got to this point where, you know, we all have our own computers and devices and we would say, I would rather spend 10 bucks a month to safely have access to this music rather than give my computer a virus getting right. it for free. Right. That's really the only thing that changed. We're still ingesting music mm-hmm. in large, large doses. Whether that's good or not, I don't know. But it would have been nice for an artist to think about how they could have capitalized on it and made it not like necessarily profitable, but fair. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. the incentive then to get signed? I understand the incentive of management. Yeah. How, or I guess explain how it works in terms of, like, you go to make an album, somebody's fronting that funding. Yeah. Is that management or the record label? It's the label. Okay, so is that the incentive for, like, young artists who don't have any money to get signed because then they get fronted the money to make the album? Yeah, because you know what? Uh, they will try to scare you and bully you. They'll say, yeah, you know, your, 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 your career is going to fail. You don't know what you're doing. They'll say, uh, you know, we just... They'll, or they'll bully you out. Mm-hmm. They'll bully you out like um, Chance the Rapper. I think I don't know if he's still independent or to what extent he's independent, but he never signed mm-hmm. because 
uh, his team and himself were intelligent and wise in the sense that they they just took you know they are they're like all right we already have buzz we already have people who want to listen that's really the most important part you can't lose part you can't lose sight of that you're you are making music that people connect with that is the gold that is the oil that is the crux of the whole thing and you have an audience that will purchase your album that's self-published exactly exactly yeah so, so yeah. you can make a living mm-hmm. and then and then well, the one thing that some of these like data mining companies do that is beneficial is mining the data and then allowing you access to those numbers and those mm-hmm. right. those things you know like so you know okay hey if i have 70 percent of my fan base is you know 18 to 25 year old people in this area where am i going to market where am i going to tour right it's easy mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's easy when you have the audience right for people that don't have an audience it's tough and they are getting bullied out by labels and by mm-hmm. algorithms mm-hmm. and and just uh quantity of music out there it's hard for people to discover new things sometimes mm-hmm. you know so it's it's good for a certain group of people and within that group of people are musicians making cool stuff but it's also like a lot of bs too so i think it's it's not it's not completely good there's some good in it. So where do you want to go with it? Do you want to get signed? Do you want to just self-publish? You said you do want management. Yeah, you can you you can you can go very far as an artist just having a publicist, because they're the ones that are going to publicize you. Which is different than a manager. To an extent, yeah, because you know a manager is the one who is going to make sure you're doing the right things. A manager is like a manager in ev- in any other kind of realm. Like if you have like a restaurant manager. They got to do a little bit of everything. They got to know how to do a little bit of everything. And they're just keeping okay. all the wheels turning. Mm-hmm. They're making sure you're comfortable and they are securing certain things. And they're kind of like, so you don't have to do that. You know, you as the artist, you want to be thinking about your image and your music, your music and your image. If I'm putting them in order, music and your image. <laughs> well, <laughs> depends on who you're talking to. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, for some people, the image is, is more yeah. lucrative. The music is secondary. <laughs> yeah, totally. But we haven't yeah. got to whether or not you want to be signed. I don't think I want to be signed. That that doesn't really? that doesn't fascinate me because mm-hmm. for a lot of people, signing is like uh, how how should I say it? You have to be more present and and uh, uh, be be physically and like mentally present when you don't have like a label because a label is going to do certain things. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, like getting your CD, you know, in stores or like uh, promoting you, mm-hmm. like that's that's usually what labels do i think it's like promotion and distribution it's like the big things that they do so where that becomes tough is like they a lot of times have you know like that's what i'm saying it's like they're gonna bully you out mm-hmm. because they have their distribution and right and promotion channels because they're trying to make their money right yeah so and it seems like from the outside looking in anyways that there, there would need to be the question of how big do you really want to get? How big do you, oh, how much is enough? Yeah. Right. And yeah. so like you were saying, if I have enough to create my art, take yeah. care of my family and live mm-hmm. comfortably, I'm good. Yeah. So what's enough for you, I guess would answer the question of like, how do you want to pursue this management versus signing? And mm-hmm. the, the biggest thing for me would be to have like a, like a manager that I trust Yeah. that is passionate about music in general and is just like, uh, like real authentic and looking for, you know, 
like um, Jonathan, who's Alejandro's manager, that guy is a music fan. Oh, nice. And I think that that should be the requirement. Nice. You, you don't have to play an instrument, but for real, for real, like be a music fan. Mm. Because like Jonathan will be like, oh, when you guys are in this city, you guys got to go to this club and check out this, like, you know. And that's, I like, I like that. Yeah. And he'll like, he'll be watching the show and if somebody like, you know, threw their guitar or something like that or got crazy, he'll be like, come backstage and he'll be like, yeah, like, yeah that was cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> nice. And not like, oh, I hope that your audience likes that. Like that. Forget that stuff. Like John- Jonathan's like, yeah, that was cool. You guys put on a great show. Like, nice. you know. You guys do put on a really good show, by the way. Thank you. And thank I you. was so sad about the Kansas City audience. They were so oh. awful. <laughs> that was awful. I mean, for me, it, like, I'm just like. This is really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's kind of funny just seeing like the crowd sometimes. They would just be kind of like staring. We had we or had just yelling the most ridiculous. Oh, oh, that show was the one where the lady said she had it socks. Oh, she said uh, she goes Alejandro, I have your socks. She bought socks or made socks for Alejandro. Oh, I don't remember this. Yeah, I could hear it from the stage. I remember it was like somewhere That's like over hilarious. to the hilarious. I just remember like this. I don't know, several people in the back just yelling in the middle of your sets, play acoustic. What? Like, oh, yeah. I'm just like, this is so awful, disrespectful. Yeah. And Darren actually made a good point later because we were talking about it after the show. And he was like, you know, you just have to have compassion for people who maybe have never been to shows before. They don't really understand how yep. that affects the band. Yep. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. But man, I just wondered how it was for you guys on the stage. Well, Travis and I talked about it a lot. And we there was a lot of times where we predicted it was going to be or we thought it was gonna be like worse. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We had we only had one show in particular that stands out to me, where the crowd actually like sucked. Really? Yeah, and I mean, I say sucks, but realistically, like ninety percent of the crowd was cool okay. and was great. Okay. It just happened to be that that ten percent was very loud and very close to us. The bar was like right by the stage, so all the loud drunk people were like right there. Oh, right. And that was the only show on the tour where I literally thought Alejandro was going to cut the show and we were just going to like walk off. Whoa. Yeah. Cause it was just like, yo. And even people like in the audience were like, shut up. Could you just stop talking? Yeah. Yeah. Because they were saying that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, play the, like I remember someone saying, play the effing guitar. That's what we came here for. And then there's like a part in the set where, where he plays his guitar before one of the songs and i remember because he would he would right in front of me so alejandro he's you know he turns around and before he even reaches for the guitar i saw him just like take a really deep breath because he knew as soon as he reached for that thing everyone's gonna roar and the phones are gonna come out and he would say you guys i think it's kind of weird because we're up here sweating and giving it our all and you guys are just staring at us and the second i reach for my guitar did he say that? Your phones come out. Yeah. Wow. He said, the second I reach for my guitar, and my your phones come out, and you guys like start cheering. He's like, I just think it's funny, but whatever. Yeah. I think it's just, yeah, and who knows? Maybe it is just like a lack of, like people who don't go to shows, they don't know what's okay. and But that just yeah. seems like common sense Well, to, me, to be mm-hmm. respectful to a performer. Yeah. No matter what they're doing, whether you like it or not, right? they're performing yeah. their art it's not yours to have a say in that's where that's where it's a bit unique for him Mm -hmm. because a lot of these people voted for him 
So they oh, right. they, feel so some, they feel some degree of ownership. They, yeah, oh, they feel like they right. did this for him. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. So they'll, you know, they feel like, yeah, they like, like a, like, a, polit- like a politician. They're yeah. like, we voted for you and you're not doing what we voted for. Interesting. So yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. now you're going to hear about it. Wow. And I think it's weird because he performed, I think he performed some electronic stuff on the show. And even aside from that, like it wasn't a big secret. Like if you were to go on his Instagram or listen to any of his stuff. That's what I loved. I found his Instagram there account was, yeah, and I was, was like, this be- stuff's amazing. Beats all over the place. Most of it. Most was, of his beats. Yeah. And guitar with beats and everything. Right. Like that, you know, so. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that is that is a sad thing that people do sometimes. Sure, is sure. they You know, they they don't know how to appreciate something beautiful. But I think that, you know, if you think about art in general, whether it's a a writer or a painter or whatever, once you put that work out into the world, it's really then subject to the interpretation of how people receive it. It's true. And so as an artist, you have to be willing to face that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's part of the artist journey, I would think, is once I put my work out into the world, it suddenly is something other than maybe what I intended it to be. And I have to face that. Yeah. It doesn't mean I have to do anything about it. I just have to know that that's what's going to happen once I put it into the world. Right. But it's, I mean, I guess it's one thing if you have people interpreting your art in a, in a way that you didn't intend versus demanding that you create an art that they want. That's different. Yeah. There, there are more like cool people than there are lamos, you know? That's good. Yeah. yeah. Like we would always, I would always look out, and I would see somebody, uh, somebody would look bored. <laughs> somebody would be bobbing their head, but they're blocking their ears. Right? Oh, interesting. Okay. So yeah. at first I was like, oh, they're blocking their ears. Like, well, that's lame. But then Darren was like, yeah, but they're there enjoying it. No, totally. You know, I get it really might just sensitive. be too loud for them. Exactly. But they like it. I love know? loud music, but yeah. sometimes I get my, I, my ears just get really sensitive yeah. sometimes, but I love it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? So you got to, you got to take a step back and just check like check yourself a little bit mm-hmm. and then i would look over there and then there'd be like <laughs> this these are the ones that cracked me up it was couples where the girl was bummed or the the woman was bummed out because he wasn't playing acoustic but then her boyfriend or whatever was like yeah <laughs> like i love this like those are the best awesome. those are the best to me yeah and then sometimes it was vice versa Oh really? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it would be it would be that surprises the, me. I know, right? Like sometimes it would be the guy like I thought he was gonna play acoustic. We'll <laughs> hear the acoustic stuff, and his girlfriend would just like like jumping around, like shaking her head, and like. But you see it all. You see it all out there. When you're on stage, does the audience affect your morale at all? Hmm. Now, okay, let me ask that in two parts because okay. as the bass player for an, another lead artist. Yeah versus being the lead on stage does the audience affect you a and b does it affect you differently in those two different roles there was a show when we played okay so playing with scary pool party we played in philadelphia Mm -hmm. and for everything we were doing we just like could not get a response out of the crowd they were just like there and even afterward it was just like kind of like weird to read everybody it just kind of felt like the whole room was sleepy like do you guys want to just go home (laughs) do you guys like weird you know what i mean and then you start to get kind of like like i did get a little like self-conscious because i'm just like thinking like you know like you're putting on like i mean sometimes i would wear like those like striped pants or something like that or i have on like creepers or like of like doing i don't know like 
<laughs> you got to look the part or something, you know. But anyways, so you're up there and you're rocking out and there's all these people just like staring at you and then you start to kind of feel like, like kind of weird, you know, you kind of feel kind of dumb. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you j- you just realize like, all right, it's going to be one of those shows. You just get up there and you still give it 100% because it's not going to be the whole crowd. Right. There's going to be somebody in there that's like digging it and yes. you don't want to like mess up their experience. Right. Right. Yeah. So you just, I guess it's like a, for people that do comedy shows and they film them, you got to just imagine people watching it on TV or laughing, you know, like imagine filming Arrested Development. It's dead quiet. And there's like seven people and there's like a guy with a boom right. and you got to deliver this line Yeah. and just, okay, that was funny. Just move leave on. It. Yeah. Leave just leave it. it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So you kind of got to do it like that or that's how I, I do it. Uh, so most of the time it doesn't bug me. Most of the time I don't care about the crowd. Is it like, a different experience being behind the lead versus being the lead on stage? Well, when I'm the lead on stage, I can like address them like with wires. If, if people are not into it, I may comment on it, but try to do it in a comedic kind of way without mm-hmm. going too, f- without going full like stand up routine, <laughs> but just kind of like addressing it and, and moving forward, you know, just kind of like shaking up the, the mm-hmm. crowd a little bit, shaking up the vibes. Cause like wires would play a lot more things where it was more like, not like open mic, but you know, it's like dive bars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like we played a couple like bigger shows, but most of it, it's like, yeah, like clubs and like divey type places. So a lot of people are just in there to have a drink. You hope that they dig it or whatever, but sometimes people are just like, yeah, they're, they're walking around while you're playing and stuff. You just got to be confident in what you're doing. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. Yeah. And like you said, know that there's the, there's a segment of the crowd that's really into what you're doing. Yeah. And you're playing for them. Yeah, exactly. So if you guys as wires, so you're going to, you're, you're looking to put out a new album. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you have a deadline for that? Or like a hope line? Yeah. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) I'm trying to have it done or near completion around the same time that we go out to Europe. Oh, nice. So if we can finish it yeah, and then come back and then do a couple shows or tour again, like here in the States, like for that album, that'd be cool. Or if we put it out beforehand and then when we come back, you know, play out somewhere. So that I, what I if guess you put it out ahead of time and get a couple of shows after the scary pool party tour in Europe. Yeah. Could you exactly. do that? Like, could you and Travis hang out and do a couple of shows while you're already there? Oh, that's a good idea. That's I mean, a really good idea. You're already there. Just get a couple of small shows. Some, where, where's your last show? I'll have to check. I'm not sure. I think it's like, oof. I think Dublin. But yeah, but that's a great idea. See, this is how it works. What about a house concert? Do you guys? Yeah, play? yeah. Your music really those. isn't house concert-ish. Nah, you can, we could do it in a house. Could you? It's I mean, cool, yeah. like a set Fine. that would work in a. Yeah, totally. Yeah, actually, I'm I'm into stuff like that, and I, and with this next, with with this next record, mm-hmm. um, I, it's gonna sound biased because I'm like a part of it or whatever, but like, I'm really excited about this one because I'm coming from like, um, like I don't I didn't know even how we were gonna approach it at first. Oh, really? Yeah, because I used to th- I used to think in a more like limited way of like how we're gonna do this in like a live setting. So when I would like write a song, I would think about the instrumentation being able to translate live, uh. you know. And we we at the time had a drummer that was pretty stubborn with certain things, and he just like didn't want to try certain ideas. So once he was out of the band, 
it was like very freeing, but it was freeing to such an extent that I was like, well, I don't even know where I want to start now. I don't even know what I want to do. You know, do I want to do like more electronic drums? Do I want to do this? Do I want to add strings? Do I want to, so it was just like open up a whole other realm. Mm -hmm. And then that was about a year and a half ago now. So now I feel a lot more dialed in mm -hmm. and not, I'm glad we didn't make it then because it probably would have sounded like we just got locked into to in the toy store and just like, Oh, let's put all this stuff in there. Right. But now it's more like calculated. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, uh, stuff we learned on tour, how to make things sound better. Oh yeah. You guys probably learned a ton on tour. Oh yeah, totally. Right. Totally about production and, and, uh, even just, I mean the whole, the whole gamut yeah, yeah. of how to get it from start to finish. Oh, great. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Cool. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really dope, really unique and a lot more close to what I ultimately like want the band to sound like nice. and go for it. So it feels good. You know? So this is something, I mean, wires is kind of a long-term pursuit for you and Travis. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I've actually, so I started, I started wires, I think in, um, I think 2012 mm -hmm. and, uh, here we are now. So it's, I feel like limitless, but also at the same time, there's a compass and there's like a focus More involved. Focused, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I've got it all sorted out for you. Okay. Ready? Yes. Get your album done. Yes. Before you go to Europe. Okay. Promote it for a while. Schedule some shows in Europe after your scary uh -huh. pool party tour. Build an audience in Europe. And then. You made it. Oh, wait, no, then. Sorry. Write the stories about your characters in these songs because it sounds like you have some really interesting stories. Mm -hmm. Make some short films that then you get an audience for that. Everybody's so stoked. You make a bigger film that you score with your band music. Yes. Just call me up when you need that reminder. I got you. Covered. I will. Okay. I will. No, I'm glad you're saying that. Cause that's, that, Dude, that was, you're clearly a storyteller. You're like obviously thanks, a writer. Why aren't you doing anything with that? Well, you're going to because you're going to do uh, what? A, blo a vlog? Oh, yeah. Or? I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I, like, I like telling stories. I like, you know, I, I like all that stuff. I grew up watching anime and comic books and everything like that and uh one thing i really want to do actually uh -huh. in that realm of things is um i want to make a show in the style of like dragon ball z or like naruto where it's like a you have to fill me in on what that is okay so so <laughs> it's like it's it's like a superhero kind of thing it's like they're fighting they get stronger oh, okay. there's like battles that happen but i want it to be music driven okay so the musical instruments are also like weapons mm. right and it's going to be um, female lead character because I think there's enough dude lead characters. Yes. Take your pick. Okay. And we need an iconic, strong, animated series lead character. I want to inspire a lot of people. You know what I mean? Nice. So, yeah, there's a lot. Okay, so you're on the train to possibly, like, developing other, like, you're going to write and develop this stuff yeah at yeah. some point yeah like i don't okay. I, like i said i suck at drawing and stuff but uh, work with an animator yeah exactly just so get somebody else I'm, super stoked and i'm not always the closer my my ability is i'm the idea guy you'll find that yeah <laughs> you just have to find the other person that gets really excited exactly <laughs> yeah so so that's one thing uh more more on the music front one thing i want to do is do like visceral kind of exhibition concerts Right. So oh, nice. Yeah. So like a lot of people do these like, you know, art installations yeah. at the Broad or whatever gallery, MoMA, LACMA, da da da. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if somebody did a tour 
but it was like a walkthrough installation so each song so you go like it's like timed entry nice so we'll do like you know maybe like one week in this city at this gallery we set up there and we do like three performances a day like two or three performances a day oh. and then they can check out the other art while they're there yeah it may open some eyes and ears and minds up to checking out art and i'm actually like i like that idea so much that i, I think it would just be cool for like somebody to do it it would be cool to be a part of it but mm. i think it's something that would be like a cool even like a trend like yeah. if like a couple bands did it like it'd be cool to do a tour like that with like another band interesting yeah because yeah like there's the there's the music side of it there's the visual side of it there's the actual execution of sort of the narrative happening. side of it too yeah. you got to have that whole story mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pretty and then clear. there's yeah and then there's the showing the behind the scenes of it and yeah, the, the inner workings cool. of it yeah so that's something that i would like to do and i would yeah i'd be open to doing that within within a year or the next year mm -hmm. something like that and um i would love to do film scoring or you know scoring anything really like that's yeah dude i've got to let you go i've been talking to you for like three hours oh yeah that's fine um okay. let's wrap this up before i let you go is there anything else you want to say that i haven't asked you about anything you want to ask that we haven't talked about i think that i want people to know that i feel that neil degrasse tyson is the drake of astrophysicists if your shirt is not tucked into your pants then your pants are tucked into your shirt it's one or the other you know what i mean that's that's a lot of profundity to leave our I audience with. i didn't know that blueberry pop tarts were vegan that was a recent discovery that brightened my day <laughs> did that blow your mind yeah it's another junk food i can eat one thing that boggles my mind and I, you probably don't have an answer for this one i'd be surprised if you do and it'd be cool if you did like a black hole is a hole but it's also a sphere you ever think about that how do you know what do you mean how do you know it's a sphere it's a it's a it's a like it's a ball it's a ball shape how do you know, you know that what I'm saying? maybe i don't i don't know that boom why are we so scared to go in one just find a criminal somebody we don't like put them in there and see what, what happens how do you know everybody's scared to go in a black hole how, when no one's gone in one but maybe it's because we can't how? so much we don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know but that's yeah okay that was where my brain was in this in that moment all right max thanks for doing this i had a blast this is cool I'm glad you liked it hopefully get to do it again and if i can be i don't know what in the world i could do to support you guys or to be useful to you but if you think of something i'm in thank you and yeah. likewise you bet if there's any way we can help each other out let's do it okay for it sounds good all right we're cutting <laughs> cool So that's it, folks. You just heard the very first episode of The Random People Show. If you'd like to learn more about the Human Picture Initiative, you can find us at hpimedia.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Human Picture Initiative. We hope you continue to hang with us on this little adventure of finding random people to interview. And we also love getting recommendations. If you know somebody that you think would be great to be an interviewee on this show, be sure and make a post about them on Facebook or Instagram and tag or mention the Random People Show. Until next time, keep being curious.